Golfers with a gimbal getting yeah, getting what is it? Golfers Gumbo. with a Gumbo. gimbal getting getting glizzies. No, no, no. Have no, some hot dogs. No. Well, ready. Sammy's, no. Sammy's will he be there. Right? It. I hate it so oh, yeah. much. Sammy's, Sammy's will be so there will be glizzies on site. <laughs> Stop calling them glizzies. What is the deal with glizzies? And welcome in to season three, episode ten of Unstable Discourse. Yeah, baby. Boom, 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 boom. It's a milestone you. episode. Why is it a milestone episode? It's our fortieth episode. Whoa! Oh, I did not realize Whoa. that. Yeah. We're almost hitting our stride, according to Anthony Gezzo. Right. Yep. Yeah, we got yeah. another thirty or forty to go, and we'll get there. Only Jason is counting. That's not necessarily true because I was planning to say, I can't believe we're already almost done with the season. Like, we do 15 episodes a season. Yeah, we're 66.6%. Yeah. The season kind of flew by. Uh Still still five more to go. They're going to be five awesome episodes. But, yeah, the season just really came by quickly. Well, like, I mean, it depends on how you're counting. We had the .5 episode. We had a couple episodes that we weren't calling season episode, yada, yada. So there's some extra ones in there. But main line... 40th episode. Turn that mic up. Oh. There yeah. we go. That's ring, 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 what was the ring, sound ring. he made that one episode? Meow, meow, meow. That's what it was. <laughs> Anyways. Cat driving a dirt bike. It's me, Alex Seminary of Disc Golf Chicago, here with Ryan Fancher of Unstable Disc Golf Gear. Yes, sir. Sean Callahan of Delwood Disc Golf. Booyakasha. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, Jason Callahan of Bag of Tricks. You better know. <laughs> you know, if I had to make a recommendation... I would say you ought to know. You yeah, really, ought to know. You'd be better off if you knew. Yeah. Last week, or last episode, you told me I was being too mean when I said you better know. So I decided to go with a That's true. light and happy you better mm-hmm. know. I like that. Yeah, yeah just balance. It's Switching good. it up. And we're joined by a guest that's kind of a long time coming, somebody we've been uh, looking forward to for a long time. And you guys might know him as Brian Earhart or Bearhart or by some people, Beerfart. It was Airhead in middle school, so I guess that's better. Mm. Oh, there's nice. different eras. Yeah. But uh, Brian is, if you don't know, a professional player who is also a commentator on DGN. You've got a YouTube series I just watched for the first time today called Level Up, mm-hmm. which is so great. I can't wait to talk to you about that. Uh, you are the host of the Flight Diary podcast, which is the second best disc golf podcast in the game. Got mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and it was Flight Diary an evolution from Buzzed, or was it a separate podcast completely? It was the evolution. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I was going to include Buzzed, but it all, it all counts. It's all we'll the get there. Basket. You've done so many other things. Is there is there one thing on your credentials that I should have mentioned that I didn't? Well, I think my current my current job is the one that will define the rest of my career. At least will be the skeleton, and that's I'm commentating pretty much full time for the Disc Golf Network right now as a color commentator in the booth, and then also an on field reporter as well. So that's what I'm doing, and that kind of dictates what I'm doing travel wise for the foreseeable future. Awesome. Yeah. We're definitely going to talk about that transition from being a pro player to getting into the media side of things. Um, and the one thing I did, I remembered, I forgot was that you were also a King of the Canyons. I was first Indeed. one, right? Yeah. 2018. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened the to that throne? The throne was <laughs> unfortunately as of late 
put on my parents the front lawn as uh, a gift for somebody because they didn't want to deal with it anymore and I don't have a home anymore. (laughs) So (laughs) I live in a van and funny enough, I needed someone to pack it into a van for me to even bring it to my house after I won that. It was a beautiful Adirondack chair. Your face when we gave you the chair and you realized it was yours and had nowhere to go with it was... I remember that. That Burned into my mind. You said, I've heard this story. This is that guy? This the guy. Oh, I've heard that. We story. complain about that guy every time we yeah. see each other. Yeah. yeah, this is the guy. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, you say yeah. you complain about that guy every time. That's okay. Yeah. It was fantastic. It was so funny because you're like, what was it like a, a Buick Skylark you were driving? What was that? It was a 2005 Buick LaCrosse. Oh, I was so CXL close. Yeah. with the leather seats. Of course. Ooh. Oh yeah, you weren't so, gonna put that in. Yeah, you can't yeah. throw the chair in the yeah. leather seats. No. no, it's not gonna work. You gotta be out. careful with that. Uh, but yeah, that's a long list of credentials, and there are so many other nice things that I want to say about you but I'm going to hold off until okay. we get to the bangers and mash. Uh, <laughs> okay. Have you? Do you know what the bangers and mash is? Have you listened at all recently? I know what the bangers and mash is, and I also love eating bangers and mash. So okay. it's one of my favorite oh. meals. Expectations oh, are high. Yeah, yeah. we'll see right. where he takes this later. Yeah. Before <clears> we get to the bangers and mash, I say we start with Fired Up. What do you guys say? Fired well done. He, that was uh, a very good one. That was really good. I, well, I did the same thing two times in a you row. I felt like an right. asshole. You, right. Yeah, you. Asshole. Yeah. Ass. So I had to come correct tonight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> speaking of a holes, Brian, you have a pretty professional, clean <laughs> image uh, in the disc golf world. Should we try to asshole. button up our, our, our button fart jokes today? No. No. You guys are my homies. Like, this is where I kind of got my name out there in the Illinois scene for the first time. So, I, I give you permission to do whatever you want. And actually, that's the beauty of what I'm you're, doing now. You're is sitting next to Jason. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Jason can do it. This is your show. This is not yeah. my show. Like, I will join your I show. Wonder, it's like being on the Eric Andre show. You know what? Show, Let's you know? ask oh, him uh, that question in an hour and a half and yeah, see if he's right. Yeah, that's fine. I'm telling you, if it was my show, I have to conduct it a very specific way because that's my entire living. But you guys do whatever you need to do so yeah we don't make anything from this so we can do whatever we want that's yeah, right yeah, that's excellent yeah. let's do it uh oh that reminds me one other piece of your list of credentials is your team delwood i am yes, i will is. i think i will always be at this point i don't one, think i one hundy yeah i don't need to sign any contract or have any deal this is my homie and i i will always come and stop through delwood because number one this is like my one of my favorite courses in the country from a recreational Damn. standpoint well you can have any any level of fun or challenge here and I've, t- I've told that to people all over the country that ask about the Midwest. And I'm like, if you want to have the most fun ace race in the entire world, come to Delwood. If you want to have a brutal round where shooting a few under par is sick, come, come to, to Delwood. Delwood. And especially now that you have the short tees at the course, the junior tees, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're so fun. I would they play them all the fun. time if they I lived so around here fun. full time. Like That'd be amazing. Yep. They're not easy. They're still the placed thing. very nicely. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. You oh, making yeah. hole 12, are you guys making hole 12? from the red at Clash was an amazing decision, in my opinion. Everybody can get there, but it's a very tight tunnel shot, and I saw a lot of people struggle with it, trying all kinds of creative routes, and at the end of the day, everybody could get there with more than one option, but it was still a hard hole. Mm -hmm. There was actually a lot of people that uh, requested that the next time we play it, that we'd make it a Mando, so there is no readyizer. So maybe. Hmm. I'd like to do something... Maybe permanent there. But even that outside route isn't like a huge reward. There are some like dead fingers hanging out into that gap for a tree that may be removed at some point. So I I, I don't see that difficulty on the righty hyzer 
staying forever. So yeah. like planning for that. Yeah. We'll see. Cool. We'll see. That's a that's yeah. a Ryan quote. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know yet. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, does anybody want to go first for fired up? Does anybody have anything that they're especially fired up about? I can go first. I got please. a couple. Yeah, yeah do it. I did something last week that was very exciting, and I'm doing something in a couple of days that's very exciting. Cool. Can, Sean, can we, what are you fired up about? Can you give us a about? hint? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can you, you know give what? us a If hint? that's going to be your attitude, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not going to bother. Uh, so last week, I took... My daughter and and Mandy and we went down up to Chicago and we saw Big Time Rush perform. Oh, that's uh, right! And it was I have to say it was an absolute blast. I went into it like thinking that it was going to be boring and like I was just going along just to see her have fun and that was still most of it because we uh, were a Nickelodeon household when she was a kid, so it was a lot of uh, a lot of iCarly, a lot of Victorious, a lot of Dora. And a lot of big time rush. And, and those were just for Maddie, right? Yeah. Right. Were you having Wait. street battles with the Disney households? Or yeah. was there yeah, like exactly. colors yeah, yeah. associated? All right, with Dora game, slapped. All right. Don't yeah. act like Dora the Explorer did no, not slap. Not, no one's <laughs> acting like that. Okay. It's just that Jason favorite show in college was yeah. Blues Clues. Was Blues right. Clues. Yeah. So okay. that's not to say Disney had some shows. Like we unfortunately watched a lot of Hannah Montana as well, but mm-hmm. Uh, she was obsessed with Big Time Rush, and it's, this was her fourth time seeing them. Hmm. Disney just them. didn't swipe the way that They're Nickelodeon right. swiped. That's right. No swiping. The look on her face when they finally came out on stage like was a super big dad moment for me to be there. Because the other three times that she saw him, it was just her and her mom. Mm. Uh, so this I actually got to see how much she loves. <laughs> the fourth time in the... Spark is still in there. The, yeah, yeah. It was, you could tell in the photos too. I mean, it was genuine. Yes, yeah. She wasn't faking it. She was like over the moon to see them. It was pretty great. And it was uh, hmm. Northerly Isle, whatever that. I don't even know what it's called. The something Huntington Bank in Northerly Isle, uh, next to the Planetarium. I think that's all correct. I think I said that correctly. Yeah, that's where so. we saw them, and it was uh, it was a good venue, uh, and we had a good time. So that was last week. In today's, I feel like you've been doing really good as a dad lately. Last like Amen last couple times that. I've seen you, Amen. you've just brought up like very sweet moments. Uh, yeah, yeah, a ton of those happening right now. It's mostly on my part because I'm aware that I'm I'm going to blink and she's going to be 18. Her birthday is yeah. six months from now. And she's <laughs> 17. Uh, she's tomorrow. 17. Yeah. Oh my and god. She turns 18 in January. So or yeah. So I, I'm like I've seen her like twice ever in in real life and I'm like I thought she was still 15. Yeah. Lord. No. She's 17, she's going to be 18 soon. So it's like I'm very aware of that clock ticking and I'm so appreciative of the fact that she still likes hanging still out with Still wants to sit down and watch a movie with me sometimes. Yeah. And so I'm like I'm going to take every chance you give me because it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. You're not going to want to do this forever. And then it's going to be, oh. She I finally gets her driver's license. Maddie in four and five days. It's yeah, over. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> uh, so this, moving on. This uh, upcoming <laughs> Thursday, we're going to see John Mulaney uh, in oh, Chicago. That's right. she, yeah. I'm a huge fan. She's a even bigger fan than me, probably. And I'm pretty pumped to make that happen and you know for years scientists have wondered can you make grown men and women weep tears of joy by playing tom jones's it's not unusual and the answer is yes you can as long as it is preceded by seven what's new pussycats are you going to bring a Chippendales yeah. sign to yes, hold up in the audience? to hold up, and hopefully he'll come down and sign it and yeah. be like, I listened to the podcast, and Alex was wrong, and you were right, and he'll say all those <laughs> wonderful things that I'm hoping he'll say to me. Yeah. Listen, we didn't necessarily disagree. We just like different things. Um, understood. Uh, great drop, by Thank the way. Thank you. Yeah. 
Thank you. I didn't. That was a post everybody listening to the episode drop. There ain't he, no good guy. Did you? There ain't there no, ain't no oh, bad yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Well done. Yeah. So pretty pumped about that. We're you taking a couple. Spent of a friends. lot of time in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Becoming a city boy. And um, I did not want to. This for we bought the tickets like four or five months ago because you have to. Yeah. And uh, this whole time I'm like, we're lifting, we're Ubering. I'm not bothering with the city. I just don't like to drive in the city. Parking but, in the city is the biggest pain in the ass. Yeah, totally. But at the last minute, I mean, day of, I just finally texted her. And I was like, look, I guess I'll drive. I'll, we'll see what I can do. I'm Dude, not Uber would have cost this. you like 200 bucks. Yeah, well, it's a price I was willing to pay. I just, I don't, I don't <laughs> like the city that much. It gives me yeah. too much anxiety. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wish it right didn't. There I want to be like that. I'm with you. More confident guy. Do you like, have a navigator I like this. I do wherever I go? She lives in the passenger seat telling me exactly what to yeah. do, which makes situations like that for me way easier. Uh, No. No, you you need to get one of those. You see yourself a navigator, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, if Liz gives me bad directions, uh, she gets reprimanded. But yeah. She's yeah. um she's she's pretty good. She uh, just yeah. has a hard time with left and right. Oh, so <laughs> she'll be like, <laughs> "This sounds like a joke, but yeah. is that a trick?" Yeah. Oh, front facing loser signs. Alex, you'll see. Do not oh, tell me you do not know about proper that. L is on the left hand. I know. I've never. Oh my! That's awesome. My I'll, I'll share God. that with my wife. And then right. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, so a lot I'll be of honest, time- I was in like seventh grade when it finally dawned on me that I'm left-handed and that's my left. Like I struggled for a while, and then one day I was like, "Oh wait, I hold my pen in my left hand." That, oh, because that's it's left. your and right hand. Like, your writing hand. Yeah. Your right hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. Uh, that's when mm. it stuck. It was kind of later than everybody else, yeah. but I got it now. Get a navigator. Yeah, yeah. that's all I'm saying. Well, so, this, I mean, yeah. this was all of ours first time oh. doing this, mm-hmm. so it was just it was. Three of us being like, you've all grown now. I guess we're good. This is the thing we're gonna do. Yeah. We're gonna drive to Chicago, trying mm-hmm. to figure out parking and stuff. And then, obviously, we get there and there's like giant signs that say "event parking this way." And of course, it was like no big deal. And we yeah. just pulled right in, and paid thirty five bucks, and and parked and figured it out. When the John Mulaney, when you guys go to the John Mulaney show, mm-hmm. if you like, you can come park in my house, and then I'll drive you guys there. You don't have to pay for an Uber. You don't have to deal with parking. I'll just mm-hmm. drive you, and I'll come pick you up when you're done. I'm listening. Okay. Yeah. I don't think Five he's joking. I think yeah. he's no. totally serious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm on your way. You have to go past my house anyway. Yeah. So, It'll you know. only be 130 bucks and not 200 mm, Not yeah. 200 Yeah. What day is it? Worth it. Thursday. No, that should be fine. Uh, yeah. What were you thinking I was going to do? Be like, ah, I can't. You know what? Actually, mm, bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Thursday's open because usually we record this show on Thursdays. So right. my Thursday's open. Yeah. yeah. Got him. Holler, I got you. Good mm. dad things. Love Thanks. to see it. Brian? All right, I'll tell you guys what I'm fired up about. So you mentioned it a little bit. You mentioned that a new series that I'm doing with Discraft just released during the week of Idlewild called Level Up. It's a new instructional series that I'm doing with Discraft. And for the first time, I don't know if this is just a sign of personal growth or something actually happened with me, but I was actually very satisfied with something that I, I put together, that I did. Usually that's not usual, that's usually not I have a tough time listening mm-hmm. or watching things that I did. And and I'm sure like Sean or any business owner out that's sitting here, I don't know what the two of you do for a living, but... Nothing. <laughs> but I'm saying like the perfectionist mindset sucks. It gets you very far in life, but it leaves your quality of life very low. So sure. I don't know if I'm just becoming more aware and less of a perfectionist, but I watched the first video of level up that I did. And it was a great concept that I felt like needed to be addressed called, and I called it how to forehand any disc in your bag. And I watched it and was like, 
oh my God, I said everything that I wanted to say. There were a couple things about like just the, the, like a precautionary warning about sidearm. Mm -hmm. I maybe wanted to add in there because people are getting injured a lot throwing sidearms Mm -hmm. these days. But really, that's because no one warms up properly for disc golf or cools down properly or rests. So I was like not too worked up about the fact that I didn't add that in there. Right. But it went great. Jesse Williams, the guy that I I worked with, he's a freelancer that Discraft hires. Me and him vibe so well. I hope we shoot the rest of the series together. And I watched it and was like, wow, it it sounds great. Mm-hmm. I looked at the YouTube comments, which is usually a cesspool of people wanting <laughs> right. you to die and quit your job. <laughs> God damn All people. except for one yeah. out of like 150 or however many are on there now were great. And the view count went great. And I am so fired up about the rest of the series. Yeah, baby. I, I really Me want too. it to be less about pure form because there's a ton of form gurus you guys talk to strauss and he is the form guru i'm less about that and more about how can i get you from zero to 20 percent rather than how can i give you the theory of zero to 100 sure and then like pound you with that left to right like i i'm more of a coach i'm trying to like see the player as they are now and Mm -hmm. and and see how i can communicate these ideas to get them to where they want to go, regardless of where that is. And I think the series is going to be a mixture of feel and execution and mental game and a little bit of technique. And I'm supposed to do 12 of them. I've only done two so far, but Discraft is Is the second one released yet? Second one's done. Okay. Second one's done. It's about the X step. Great. I I kind of dive deeper into footwork, but again, it's, it's a slightly different angle and I'm I'm really fired up about that because this part of my career I want to leverage and, and show people that number one I really care about commentating disc golf and I really care about teaching disc golf mm-hmm. and getting people to feel the clicking points that I've felt throughout my life so that's that's what I'm fired dude about. this tracks perfectly with everything that I watched and thought about today because I watched that video mm-hmm. a I didn't realize that was the first one I just as I was working I was like making phone calls I was like I need something mm-hmm. in the background yeah YouTube, Brian Earhart, that was like the first thing that ah. came up. So I watched it and I stopped working because I was like, damn, this is so good. You communicate so, so well, which Thank is, you. it's one of the hard things with a lot of coaches out there is like they have a really good understanding of it, but they don't deliver it to you in a way that makes you go like, that makes perfect sense. Like mm-hmm. I got it. And I remember you said on the upshot, I think it was, I was listening to the, that mm-hmm. interview as well. And you were yeah. saying that su- teaching is super important to you. And if you can't do it in a way that makes the listener or the the student get it, Mm -hmm. then you're not really doing a great job teaching. It's a communication profession. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily a biomechanics profession. It's more about how can you read this person standing in front of you and get them to understand whether they're a musician at heart or Mm -hmm. they're a football player or a wrestler. How do you communicate with that wrestler? How How do do I reach these kids? How do I reach these kids? (laughs) I had to Google that, unfortunately. I did not get that reference. Hilarious episode. But Uh, I agree with you. (laughs) <laughs> I I want to dive into the bangers and mash right nope, now, but nope, we can't, can't. We have to get through fired up. Nope, yeah. I have so many other things about about that yeah. video specifically, but we'll we'll get to it. Yeah. Like the spectrum of the overstable to understable, I was like, I've never thought about that, and I oh, I throw sidearm exclusively, so that video is awesome. Sick, thank you. Um, I should I'll go. Go ahead. All right. I went first last time. I'll go last this time. Clash Pro. I am super fired up. We got it uh, not this weekend, weekend after that. But in a way, like how we always talk about Sandy Point, the the time before, the kind of the time leading up to is also special mm-hmm. because 
I love the process. The mm-hmm. foreplay before I, the tournament. I love it. Yeah. I love the foreplay. You guys are mm-hmm. soaking you know, right like, now. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily right now or, or tomorrow, but like Thursday, Friday, we're talking about getting out to the course and starting yeah. the cleanup process. Mm-hmm. There's a huge sense of pride for what we do at Delwood with that and making sure that like everything is buttoned down. And um, I'm just, I'm stoked for that process to begin in the next couple of days and yeah. and then lead that up to and the, and the buzz that builds. It's it's not about like as it's happening. It's it's the the players showing up and yeah. the vans being in the parking lot, mm-hmm. and uh, you know everybody checking in. I'm just I'm excited for that process to begin. As the weekend goes by in a, in a flash. A blip. It's a blip. Yeah, it's but. such a sign that you guys are really good at what you do because I'm sure the first couple of years of doing this, it was more of a like holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Yeah. The day's coming. What else do we have to do? And at this point, you've done it enough times and you've done it so well. That you're like, we got this, mm-hmm. and we're get we're gonna actually get to enjoy right. the buildup at this yeah. point. Yeah, so I think yeah. it's funny that we're talking about this because before we started recording, I told Sheila that I felt that her aura was like the calmest I've ever seen her in a very long time, and she was like, "That's insane," <laughs> because it should be the exact opposite because oh, we've wow. got all this stuff going on with Clash. But I think you're hitting on what I was picking up on. It's like their sixth time doing it. The now like the the shakiness is behind them and there's yeah. the confidence there. It's like, right. I think that's what I'm seeing is like, yeah, there's a lot, yeah, there's a on, lot to but do, but you're so confident in your ability to do it. Yeah. At this point. And it's I think like, we're looking more forward to execute. the tasks at hand, going through the course hole by hole and making sure everything's buttoned down. And like today for me, putting together all the digital player guides and just systematically going through file after file and hole by hole and making sure that yeah. it was all buttoned up. It was more nervous last year because the DGPT was there and it was... <laughs> we said buttoned up three times. He's losing it. Yeah. We you said, said it three times. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh. no. He said... You said buttoned down. Then he said buttoned down. And then and said, said buttoned button up. up. Okay, yeah. And so I, I knew it was just because like, button was... Came yeah. out three times. You I also know, said a difference. You also said you went down to Chicago and then went up to Chicago. So yeah. shut the no, fuck no. up. Ooh, shots fired. <clears throat> Fair enough. But... Beef. Much less anxiety... Yeah. And more just, okay, let's get this done and enjoy the weekend. I, yeah. I'm There's stoked. joy in excellence. Whatever the thing is, mm-hmm. if you do something and you're real good at it, yeah, you would love, like, that's fun. Like yeah. Brian was talking about with communication, like, that's what I feel like is the most important part of what we're about to do in 10 days is just making sure all of the things they need to know have been provided. Everything mm-hmm. else falls into place. At the end of the day, it's three days straight of 200 people playing 18 holes. Yeah, that there's no manipulation that happens while it's actually happening. Right. But as long as they know everything they need to know beforehand, it's a beautiful, harmonious ecosystem that you get to sit back and watch happen. The security for us comes in knowing that they are secure, knowing what they need to know to just go out and kill it and play golf and don't worry about whether or not is that OB, isn't that OB, does it say the same thing as the T sign? Is there those issues that are going to pop up if those go... If those aren't there at all, then they're just going to be able to play golf and we're going to see the highest level. I would say you guys uh, bring a certain artistry to event planning and event hosting. And that's that's a really cool thing to do it in a way that's like, I don't, I don't want to say science because it's in, in one hand, it's like, okay, you've got it down to a science. But on the other hand, it's an art as well, uh, which is a really cheesy way of just saying. You it's guys not are, black and white. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. It's not. It's There's no like calculations you can do to host the perfect event there's also the feeling and like the experiences that you've already had that are going to color how you figure all these things out right and when everybody's I'm, happy and informed 
Mm-hmm. We're going to see the best of all of the people on and off. We saw a lot of people that for the first time last year that you know we were totally did. nervous to meet and also very excited to see how they felt and how they were reacting and mm-hmm. who they were talking to and why and you know we nerd out over that kind of shit. Ryan, me, Fanny, yeah. So I have a very quick one. I got a message last week. I don't know uh, from a Mister Alex Russell. Ooh. who we all know and love. Hey, hey, Russ. hey, Russ. And I had spoken to him before. He stopped by. He's been to a couple clashes. He's played in a couple, but never got to like sit down and chat with him. Uh, he's always got stuff going on. But he messaged me, and he must have heard from Gavin or you know one of the other guys, and said, hey, um, I'm coming into town on Clash Weekend. I need some shirts done. Can you get some stuff for me? And I was like, I got you. So we've been talking back and forth and getting a design. He had one that he sent me that didn't really seem like it was going to work uh, well for a, a print design. In my head, I had some things spinning, and I was like, Russ, what if I what what if we went off the rails here for a second? Can I send you some my idea? And he was like, Yeah, whatever it is. And so I put something together for him. Uh, we came up with something really funny uh, and really right down his alley and his friends who he calls the Chucks, the Chucks, uh, which I love. And um, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, and it's so quite the crew. It is a really yeah. good crew. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm not going to tell you what the design is. You guys are going to have to see it at Clash because <laughs> yeah. he'll have them by then. But it's going to be really great. He's going to have shirts and sweatshirts, and it's just a joy to be able to help him out and have him here. And uh, is he making do any, some stuff for him? Is he making any big boy sizes? Uh, I don't know yet. We haven't gotten that far, but I think. Is it, I'm gonna, is it the one that you showed me, or has it changed much since then? Uh, maybe a little bit, but it, that is the one. But it will... So good. I'll convince them to have a, a big boy size or two. Please. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't Th- want to buy... All. I buy shirts from people that I want to support that I can't even fit into sometimes. And then I have a collection of these shirts that I'm like, hopefully one day. But um, I would like to... the. The design you showed is so, it's good. so great. It's good. I so, really yeah, uh, just stay tuned for that one and stop by and get your spectator pass so you can come by and buy one of A. Russ's shirts. Yeah. Come by and buy. That's love all. that. Yeah. I wish him all the success in the world. I love that guy. Just so chill, so cool. Has a great family. Kills it. Yeah. They, they flip houses together. So that's a, I, I, at least I don't want to over. <laughs> well, he apparently is really good at what he does, but he, I don't want to overgeneralize, but it sounds like his family just kind of like has this big business and they flip houses together and then they move to those houses. And That's great. And then Alex goes on tour and they all root for him. And then he comes back if Dude. he needs, needs some extra money, flips some more houses with them, works really hard and then hits the road again. Oh, He's got a really cool life and a really cool family and... <sighs> He he uh, he really chills. He he loves the road life. Yeah, he, he definitely right. has the PNW vibe for sure. For sure. So, which I appreciate. So, yes. yeah, it's great. I can't wait to see him. Hey guys, it's Jason. Ryan just hit us with that PNW vibe line, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Could it have been a pipsqueak neckbone weapon? Maybe a protuberant nincompoop weenus? Maybe it's when you get so drunk you're going to be polywog niblet wasted. Turns out it just stands for the Pacific Northwest. Anyway, back to the show. I am definitely the inferior Alex when you describe the balance he has in his life where he gets to mm-hmm. work hard, make good money, but also go do the thing that he loves to do. You got this, man. One day, you okay? young Padawan. One day. Dude, go flip some houses. I you got to give him a call. <laughs> I have a lot of connections in the real estate world, actually. And I would love to yeah. explore a new route. Give him morning. a date, Sean. When does he have to do this by? Ooh. Uh, by, uh, I'm going to give you September 30th. <laughs> God, that is like three I don't know. I scrambled. Now. Sorry. <laughs> can I host out. Can I host our tournament and do a couple other big things? <laughs> give me a year. Give me the year. End of the year. How about end of the year? 
Give, give another him a year. year. A couple more months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll we'll talk. We'll talk. That's good. Um, hey, Alex. What's up? Hey, um, you fired up about anything? I am. Thanks to Sheila, I volunteered to volunteer <laughs> at, <laughs> at Clash. Allow myself to introduce. Myself. Uh, but I specified that I would like a job that didn't require too much walking. Sheila got back to me recently letting me know what job they had in mind for me, which is involves a golf cart, so automatically it doesn't even matter what the rest of the job is. Sure. There's a golf cart involved, I win. Sign me up. Yep. Uh, but the other part of that job is I'm going to get to be driving, chauffeuring pros around at Clash. So I'm going to get to, you know, meet a lot of really cool people and literally rubbing elbows. Yeah, with pros. probably because yeah. yeah. I'm going to take up more than half of the front seat. Um, so yeah, rubbing elbows and armpits and yeah. a little bit of side boob. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited to meet a bunch of people that uh, I probably wouldn't have got to meet otherwise, and soak up some vibes and be in a golf cart all, all weekend. It's going to be awesome. Wow, that is. I didn't know that, and I'm stoked for you. <laughs> right? It's going to be a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah. Thank you, Sheila. Alex. So you're going to go on Amazon and buy one of those like stabilizing uh, phone holders that you can like drive it, mount Just it, and video like, the bullshit whole, with people. Bro, record the whole, the whole thing, thing, dude. Comedians in, in yeah, cars getting in coffee. cars getting coffee. Comedians in carts <laughs> getting, yeah. 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 getting Celsius. Car- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, could be, you could be going live on the UD Gram yeah. Yeah. and asking them... Questions as you're driving around. I'm shaking right now. And listeners, that sound was my head exploding three times. And him touching the mic, but uh-huh. go ahead. Yeah, no, I have the gimbal. We'll, we can mount the gimbal on the golf cart and live stream just the oh, random bullshit yeah. conversations. Without wow. without any direction. Just pick a yeah. person, get in the cart. We're going to drive around without a destination. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. Golfers with a gimbal Hey, you can do getting... that. Yeah, getting... What is it? Gumbo. Golfers with a Gumbo. gimbal getting... Getting glizzies. <laughs> getting glizzies? <laughs> no! Oh, my God, no! No! Have no, some hot dogs no. well, ready. Well, Sammy's will be there, right? He hates it. I hate it so oh, yeah. much. Sammy's will, Sammy's will be there, so there will be glizzies on site. <laughs> Stop calling them glizzies. <laughs> what is the deal with glizzies? I saw it last week. No, what is, I have no idea why. It's a name for gun. Glizzy was like a nickname glock, for like a glock, 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 but people started calling hot dogs glizzies. I don't know the origin of this, uh, but it's. But it's I know it's going to be short lived. But I'm gonna. I'm here for it for a second. He's yeah. He hates out. it though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with a passion. I like that people were calling Joey Chestnut the Glizzy God for a second though, which is very <laughs> funny. Wait, can I can I take a second to talk about that really quickly? Sure. Not only did he break the record again with like 60, 60 something hot dogs, but in the middle of it, there was a rowdy crowd member that came up and oh, he, someone from like PETA, right? Yeah, and he came up and like wrestled the crowd member while he was still eating <laughs> no. the hot dogs. No way. That's mid. A- Hot dog. That's that's a god. Yeah. And still broke the record. That is oh the god. glizzy god the glizzy in god. action. It's over. Oh my that's god. That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Can we get him? Can we get him on the show? Yeah. Yeah. Please. No, you can't. Yeah. Who you is cannot. This He's that big a deal. Yeah. Joey Chestnut. He's like the best hot dog eater of all time. Oh, <laughs> Nathan's hot. He's dog the glizzy god. He's the. Gl- I'm was sorry. Clearly, dude. I'm sorry. What was his name? One more time. Joey Chestnut. He's the one. Joey you remember Chestnut. Kobayashi back in the day? Well, that's what I was going to say. He was I the guy that Kobayashi. dethroned him and now wow. has never been beaten. He, I don't the think man just will. shoves hot dogs down his gullet and for his a gullet. living. Oh wow. See, I could do that job too if, if the real estate doesn't work out. Give it a rip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, you got backups. Is there a options? I would know. You would know this. Is there for hot dog eating? There's also Sorts Are of there many food of them? eating? It's not just hot dogs. It's so many different foods. And he's hitting this like the All pro tour. Yeah, but there's one official. There's the Nathan's, the Nathan's hot dog, yeah. hot dog sure. eating contest in New York is the. But there are so many. He is a professional eater. 
Yeah. You can get sponsorships pretty easy if you have cameras on you and you're good at social media. You can you can totally make a living as a competitive Absolutely. eater. Yeah. Before we wrap up the uh, Fired Up, I want to go around the table real quick. If you were going to be a competitive eater for one kind of food, what do you stand a chance at winning with? Shit. Sean. Oreos, but only between the hours of 8.30 and 9.30 p.m. I've seen how many Oreos you can fit in your mouth at one time. Are you sure about this? Eight, between 8.30 and 9.30 when I shouldn't be having any. I it's can a different eat a whole, game. whole thing, dude. Sleeve. Give me a sleeve. And I'll start with you one sleeve. Fit, like what, four? Oreos? Yeah. We four? did the Oreo challenge one time. Oh, I'm one talking time. about just one after the other, just nonstop eating okay. them. Yeah. Okay. For an hour, I can eat a whole package. I'm confusing the kinds of challenges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, I got not, not, not the most in my mouth, but. We got Sean for Oreos between yes. 8 and 9.30, you said? 8.30, 9.30. 30. Jason? I'm going to go with something that I just talked about the other day. I saw, I don't watch TikTok, yes, but yes, you do. Liar. I watch yes, Instagram you do. Reels. Liar. Okay. Which, That's the same yeah. thing, dog. It's not, but it is. Yeah, it is. Whatever. And there was these. There was a challenge <laughs> that it was go to Krispy Kreme and get two, a dozen original glazed and try to eat them in an hour. And these hmm. kids tapped out after like five. No. I could probably eat three boxes if you gave me an hour. Why post it? Why post the video right. if you could only if you do fail. five? Yeah. Yeah, an yeah. hour. An hour to eat 12 donuts? We're going to do this now. I could knock out yeah. 12 donuts we are gonna in have 10 to. minutes. We're, this is another, just like we did the Oreo thing on yeah. live. Yeah. All right. Let's do yeah. this. Yeah. I'm going Krispy Kreme Originals. Okay. 12 donuts? You get an hour to eat 12? That's like this challenge that's viral what right now. What if we now? cut it in like, half and said, could you do it in a half an hour? I still think I could put 12 away in half an hour. Mm-hmm. The math on that? What is that? Or wait. No, it's one every five minutes. One every five minutes. Yes. Are you kidding me? I'll speak from experience here. I'm going to learn you something, son. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) In college, somebody had presented a really similar challenge to me and my roommates. The cheeseburgers. The cheeseburgers. cheeseburgers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, They were like 10 cheeseburgers in an hour. Uh It's not about the time, really. It's like at a certain volume, you hit a wall and your brain goes into like a very deep depression instantly. And says, like, stop doing what you're doing. Uh-huh. So, like I said, five, I ate five McDoubles in about five minutes. And then uh-huh. the last 40 minutes took me to eat the last five. Because it was like, everybody was like, <laughs> so hard. So. But I, I think you approached it wrong. You should have paced yourself. Why? You would just get full faster. Mm, no. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. We will just have to definitely find through this. Brian, what's your food? So, I don't know why this is the case, but. Oh, I can't wait to see where this is going. When, well, it's pretty standard because we're in Chicago, but when you square cut a thin crust uh, pie, mm. I can. I don't know why I can eat There's, so many of them, though. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not saying it's the best cut, but... It is, but... Yeah, it is. Absolutely the worst cut. Go ahead. Incorrect. This is a great crew we have mm-hmm. here. I think thin crust square cut pie, I could eat an entire extra large by myself, and I don't know why. If you give me regular slices... No way in hell. So that's my answer. That's a great answer. The same pizza just cut differently changes whether or not you could eat the whole thing. Yes, one hundred percent. But I don't know. But I don't know why that is. (laughs) They just go down, and you're just like, okay, it's the one twos. You're just the one bite. It's two bites, literally. And then you're. Sheila just just it's because they're bite sized, and yeah, you, you get just, the and you get the, the the center cut. No one wants to so touch you think the you grease, never, and you just shove it down. That you talked about, you think you'll never hit it because it's just like it's like eating. It's uh, like popcorn chips. chicken. Yeah, yeah. Like mm. you're you're not gonna hit a mental block on chips. There's geometry with and a if you slice. stop and wait in between, uh-huh. you're like digesting and like filling up. Yeah. Uh-huh. You have to beat your brain. You have to beat 
that time before your stomach sends the message to your brain like stop uh-huh. you have yeah. to you have to beat the clock basically yeah. yeah is there a local place where we could get Krispy Kreme like donuts to do this experiment like a sponsored thing yes sir Mm. Uh, I'm sure we could do. The thing is, the donut places. Krispy Kremes are so like, specific. They're very yeah specific. So, so sweet. There was a ton of them, and then they all disappeared. And the only one that yeah. I've seen that's left mm-hmm. is uh, I think it's in like Elk Grove Village or something like that. Ooh, it's that's it's a hike. There. Yeah. yeah, there is a Huck Finn Donuts by my house in the city. I'm sure we can get them. It's like a small family business. Mm-hmm. Do they have that same? Yeah, like, it's got to be the same because fluffy. there is a fluffy. Gotta, yeah. they're, um, they're not big. Melting yeah. your I mouth. Twelve hollow, cake yes. donuts. I can't right. just do. 12 donuts like yeah there is uh, something about that light fluffy i'll area tell you what i'll like reach out to one of the Krispy creams in the area i'm sure it's a franchise thing mm-hmm. we'll see if we can get it sponsored if not i'll pay for it that's mm-hmm. a fine mm-hmm. fun segment to do Let's listeners do i'm glad you get to peek behind the curtains on that one and for all you jason that? fans out there that are wondering what it sounds like when i vomit stay tuned we'll get that we'll capture mm-hmm. that <gasps> um, i think my answer is going to be white cheddar popcorn mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> love it i love it there's probably five other kinds of answers i could give mm-hmm. but uh white cheddar like i have on multiple occasions bought the family size smart pop and it's been gone before liz got a handful play to win yeah <laughs> that's what i tell her if you want to you know if you want to enjoy this you have a time limit how about we get to Far the right, did you oh no i did not Oh, sorry. Um, I think it would be hand-cut Parmesan garlic french fries. Oh. Because mm. it doesn't matter how many they give me, mine are always gone immediately, and I am reaching to everyone else's right. plate. I don't care who's sitting with me. I'm eating theirs. Where do you You're go that for guy? Yeah. did that to yeah. me yeah. recently, didn't you? Yeah, at uh, Crafted. Yeah, where yeah, where do we go for some? I don't care. It doesn't matter. They're, saying, they're all fantastic. Tell me so I can go yeah. What's yeah. the recommendation? Yeah. I don't know. The uh, Lock and Mule downtown... They do a good job. They have a really phenomenal, like a truffle Parmesan garlic fry. Uh, What time do they close? I don't know. Yeah, I I just... Let's move this along. (laughs) There is nothing in my brain that will tell me to stop eating those. Wow. That's what it is with Oreos for me. Yeah. That's the one thing that I consume Mm -hmm. that I have to say, put the seal back down, dude. Stop. No, I can't do it. That was my answer. I'll get Teresa to order them, even if she doesn't want them, so I can eat them. As well as mine, so smart. Uh-huh. I should have asked this earlier. Just regular double stuff. Where you at? No, uh, um, uh, golden. What do we have upstairs right now? That we got the golden, the, peanut, the chocolate Dude, peanut golden. butter ones. Golden is where it's at. Golden is where it's the at. lemon the ones are good. But you gotta go I got the carrot there. cake ones recently. Those were just great. going down. Yeah, those are just great. Going velvet. Down. The red velvet ones are good yeah. too. But no, you yeah. got to go original. Welcome back to <laughs> Unstable Snacks. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move along to the Cal Hallander rundown. Yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> uh, timing. Uh, we always joke about this uh, with when the episode's released. There's not a whole lot going on right now. When this episode comes out, which is not this Friday, the following, mm-hmm. we will be knee-deep in Clash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that point, Spectator Pass stuff is uh, null and void. Mm-hmm. At right. that point, Unstable open has already gone live Mm -hmm. what do you have going on you recently are doing different league stuff let's talk about that for a minute sure uh we just last night had our first week of the cali league which was a lot of fun uh just at klm monday nights sign in between 615 and 645 10 bucks to play uh you get a mulligan on every hole and there is a handicap so after your first week you will get a handicap score so we can level the playing field uh there's no ceiling on the handicap for women so hopefully some girls want to come out and play and there's no reason why any 
beginner level player couldn't compete with our most competitive yeah. players. You so. just have to want to be better than you were last week. That's it. That's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that that started and we're really excited about it. First week went well. And oh, yeah. the next thing on our list is the second event of our Force Preserve Tour Series registration will go live very soon, probably before <laughs> before this drops. But go check it out on Disc Golf Scene. Make sure you follow that and the following events so you can get notified when the registration goes live. Come on, Pete. That's about it from us. It's funny. Yeah. It's it's kind of ironic to be in the heart of the season and have not a whole lot to talk about because we're in like yeah. a little bit of a yeah hole with everything happening. And, you know, there's like the first half and this is like the end of the first half and then we have the second half. So it's uh, it's not that nothing's going on. It's just the timing of it all. So mm-hmm. Well, we don't know the date of... Uh, this particular thing but we don't have details quite yet but there is no plan there is no plan is is that we are still planning it we are still planning it that's okay yeah (laughs) live episode details will come when they come so get off my back about it otherwise off my back about it no one's asked about it by the way (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah literally it's alex having a conversation with alex about it Yeah. When are we going to do that thing? I don't know. We got too many other things to do. I don't know. Anyways, the microphone. I like that segment. That's nice. Yeah. Alex talking Alex's to Alex. Inner monologue. Alex versus <laughs> oh, ego. <laughs> we need six other voices going at the same time. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's a short and sweet Cal Hallander rundown yeah. brought Sorry, to you guys. unofficially by discgolfscene.com. Come on, Pete. I thought about something the other day. What if we called it discgolfscene.com on Pete? And just dot com on uh, Pete. Do you know Pete? Smushed the words Pete together. Pete of uh, disc golf, disc golf scene. scene. I know of him. Uh, Never met him. Come um, on, um, Pete. We reference yeah. him. We've gone back and forth and talked on Messenger, and he knows that we do this whole "come on, Pete" thing. Uh, and uh, he yeah. enjoys it very much. Yeah, he's he's made a pretty solid platform. Yeah, so. I cannot yeah, imagine a better platform. We love it. It's surprisingly robust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll hear from our sponsors. Right now. Hey guys, it's Andy O'Day, AO of the Mortgage Pro, here to help with all your mortgage needs. I work with over 15 different lenders, so whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance, if you got perfect credit or even not so perfect credit, I will find a product and the interest rate that fits you best. We can do all the normal conventional FHA, USDA, and VA loans. But we have cool products like no income loans, investment loans, even renovation loans. As always, if you mention Unstable Discourse, you'll get a choice, either a free appraisal credit up to $500 or a travel basket. Shoot me a message and we can get this conversation started. Also, listen to my podcast, Amortize This. You'll learn more about the industry, my team, and our amazing guests. You guys can find me on all social media platforms at AO The Mortgage Pro and check out my website, AOTheMortgagePro.com. Hey, Disc Golf family, it's Andrew Weary with Redemption Disposal and Recycling. If you need a dumpster, we are your go-to local contact. Are you getting a new roof, remodeling your house, or doing some landscaping? Maybe you're just looking to get rid of the old junk to make room for your new hyzer racks and disc golf gear. Redemption Disposal's standard-sized dumpsters are large enough for most jobs. The 15-yard dump trailers are on regular tires and hauled by standard pickup trucks, helping avoid any damage to surfaces, allowing for tight maneuvering, and the compact style helps minimize any inconvenience to homeowners. Our convenient and speedy service is unmatched, all at a competitive price. You can find us on Facebook at Redemption Disposal or email admin at redemptiondisposal.com. We look forward to helping you out with your future projects, but until then, we'll see you out on the course. Listen to Unstable Discourse on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or write from unstablediscourse.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have the time... 
leave us a rating and review, or just tell a friend. It helps the podcast get to more listeners. And we're back from the break. Just like that. Yeah. Okay. God, I love hearing from our sponsors. They're the best. The last one. His voice is sexy. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to do more. AO sounded way better this time. Did you notice that? Oh, you did a good job with that. Yes, you did. Uh Uh-huh. But now it's time for the Bangers and Mash with Brian Earhart. We cannot get into the conversation until we've heard your best British accents. Can you say bangers and mash for us in a British accent? Yeah. Just give me a second. I love eating bangers and mash. I'm just letting you know. That sounded very American. Yeah. Hello, my name is Mark. I prefer bangers and mash. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) I pay with them using my credit card. Is that a South Park Bangers and mash. Oh. Uh, there it was. Best one. Yeah. Wow. That was excitable. Raise the bar. Yep. yep that was well it. Done. Thank you. Well done. It's a good dish. Woo. The eyes. The eyes are what did it for <laughs> the me. The bangers are Listeners, just you can't sausages, see it, but you yes. can feel it. It's great because I've been putting with bangers for six years and hey. no one else does. So. And mashing drives. Uh, yeah. That's actually kind of part of my disc golf life. Mashing drives not as far... As when I was younger, but still mashing them as best I can. So bangers and mash, you were kind of born for that. I was born for that, yeah. Born to bang and mash. So there's a lot of different things (laughs) we can talk about with you. Uh, And I think maybe the most compelling thing at the moment is the fact that you're transitioning really. I don't know if if I would say transitioning or have already transitioned from Mm -hmm. being a really uh, competitive touring player Mm -hmm. to really focusing on the media side. Where are you in that? transformation right now it's done transformation is done i am not putting a costume on when i say that i'm a professional disc golf commentator and teacher that is the clothing that i wear every day player is gone i realized that during 2021 i got burnt out right away i saw sean and sheila at vegas and it was after a fresh off season. I told myself, and I, we, we actually lived in Nashville, me and Lindsay. I lived on a nice property that had a ton of space. I did field work every day. And I told myself, I'm going to bust my butt in everything that I'm doing. I'm going to just go commentary 150%. I'm going to go playing 150%. I'm going to do everything that I can to make all of these things happen. And the moment Vegas happened after all that practice, I did great. I think I got seventh or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you killed it. And, yeah. and I still, I left a lot of strokes out there. I missed six circle one putts, and I think I lost by like six, something like that. Some crazy thing where like I had you, a shot to win the tournament. And Vegas is a tournament where all right. the big names are there and the big bombers are all there. I played great. The moment the tour actually hit me, burnt out right away. It was scary because I would take a break. My whole goal was like, oh, I'm going to take some breaks. I'm not going to play as many silver series just so I can balance everything. Yeah. The breaks did nothing. I just wish the breaks lasted longer. I did not feel excited. Mm -hmm. There were no nerves to play these tournaments. So I started realizing halfway through, this is not coming back. I either- Everything started to feel like a chore for you? I have to choose everything. It was, I, I would compete and then I would hope the first round that I didn't shoot bad because the videos for Gatekeeper, because they are the underdog production company, they weren't done and ready to be downloaded until 7 a.m. the next day. And that was the year where the women and the men got flipped, where the women were in the afternoon and the men were in the morning. So if you played bad, you were teeing off at 7 a.m. Sure. Mm. And therefore... I would either miss my co- miss my commentary or miss my tea time. I never played that bad, but there's always fear of like, there's well, that stress. I don't yeah. want to screw someone over. Mm-hmm. So then there's that. 
and then you play, you find your tea time, you wake up the next day, you run to Starbucks in the van, you hope that their Wi-Fi is good enough to download these two enormous files, because I was doing all the audio for Gatekeeper as well, download it at Starbucks, run to wherever Nate Perkins was, or I think, yeah, it was me and Nate all season, and lay the audio for the commentary over the playing for hour and a half. It's like 8.30 at the time. And then you book a tier to the course and you hope that you have enough time to warm up. And so I did, stressful. I did that for two straight years from 2020 to 2021. And it was, yeah, it sucked. It was terrible. I wanted to be a player in the beginning, but the moment the world of commentary was opened up to me by Yuli and, well, actually Gatekeeper gave me my very first commentary gig with Joel Freeman in 2018 at the Delaware Disc Golf Challenge or something like whatever it's called mm-hmm. at Iron Hill with Joel, Joel Freeman. It was like my very first gig, but then Yuli gave me my first big gig on Jomez in 2019. And once that happened, I was like, Oh, I like this. I really like this. Something clicked for you. My brain gets to start communicating how I think to people. And that felt really good. And then people liked it like right away. You're a fantastic communicator. Thank you. you. Uh, I felt like a terrible podcaster listening to your show earlier today. Cause you, everything comes from a place of control. Like you've really thought about what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. It's clear. I feel like I do a lot of bouncing around of like, I'll ask a guest a question, but I'll ask like three questions at the same time. Like I get my point across, but it's not as clean as like a professional broadcaster. And I feel like you have brought a professionalism to broadcasting in this sport that we've all talked about in Thank past you. seasons of like, what is the next level up look like with mm-hmm. commentating and the, you know, the yeah. video stuff that people are doing. Like yeah. it was hard to imagine what does that next level sound like and look yeah. like. And I feel we've like- always said like, okay, it's getting there. You know, when it's getting there, it's getting, and it's it seems like it's there. It's getting now. there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Who uh, who else do you look up to within the sport or outside of the sport to say that's like the vibe or that's what I'm trying to do with my commentating? Mm. So I wish I was more focused on other broadcasters. I think in disc golf, the person that I respect a lot is Terry. I think Terry, Terry catches a lot of flack from people, Mm -hmm. but when I worked with him for the very first time, I was shocked at how polished his play-by-play was in regards to the little annoying tasks that a play-by-play commentator has to have the throwing it to break really smoothly or having the production team yelling in your ear as you're talking. Cause that's the thing about live commentary that sucks oh, wow. is you're trying to talk on what people are doing, but you have the, the producer, the camera people, like the whole production team is yelling at each other in your ear and mm-hmm. then yeah, telling Alex, you, he can never do that. Cause he already has six voices in his head going. Yeah, Correct. exactly. Yeah. Room for another one. I would get mean because I'd be so frustrated. Hard. By it. Like I would be, have a very short patience and, and somehow <laughs> Terry just, gets it done. He has those little phrases on speed dial, like a guitar player has licks to Mm. finish off a solo. And I was like, wow, this guy's been doing this a long time. So in the sport, you know, he has a different vibe than me, but I respect the chops. I respect the chops and I respect the grind that he's, he's put down over the years. He's laid the path for a lot of people. Oh yeah. He really has, regardless of what people think about him. He, he has thick skin. I also appreciate that about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I started C's. out doing this feeling very vulnerable and open to people. The Joe Mess putting game that I hosted left me feeling very vulnerable to what people think about me because that was very polarizing. People no, loved it or they hated. They wanted me to be dead like so much. So, but Terry, <laughs> Good God, yeah, because people are protective of who they want doing media. And that's okay. That's how American culture is for sports, entertainment, yeah. whatever. 
Yeah, um, but it was no, the first true. time I'd ever experienced that. So then leading into this, it was still the same. Like it was a very vulnerable place. And I realized like Terry has done much more foolish things and has survived. So I respect that about him. Outside of disc golf, I don't know the person's name. And I would love for someone to look this up and message it to me. There was a man doing color commentary for Wimbledon this year, the tennis tournament. I was in the hotel doing research with Charlie Eisenhood, who I also respect a lot. He's a very underrated disc golf commentator. We're doing research in the lobby of the hotel and we were watching Wimbledon and whoever was doing color commentary was brilliant. He was technical super nerdy about how the game was supposed to be played. He was making little comments about, um, I forgot who exactly it was. might've been Djokovic, the guy he was playing against second serve. He was very frustrated that he wasn't bringing his second serve up three miles an hour. He gave brilliant reasons as to why he needed to do that. So he didn't sound pompous. He didn't sound foolish. Like there's sometimes when a color commentator gets a little bit too preachy mm-hmm. and people are like, why are you're not playing? Like you don't know. Mm-hmm. But this guy was just, because that's what I want to be. I want to bring people into my brain and say, I see this game from a really interesting angle and I get how and why these players are doing what they do. I can also execute all the shots that they execute minus the distance. So you're able to say. I get it. Yeah. I'm not as fiercely competitive and focused as these players are, but I get it. So I looked up to that guy and I actually need to look back and find this guy's name because that's the guy in sports that I look up to. Like that guy was brilliant. Listeners, if you know who this guy is or if you want to go find him, send us a message or send Brian a message because now I'm curious too. When you started doing your podcast, did you have any amount of the same nerves about putting yourself out there and just... Wait, he has a podcast? I already said the second best podcast in the game. (laughs) It's on hiatus for now, but I'll explain that later. No nerves, zero nerves whatsoever. Once you go on tour, at least for me, for disc golf, you are yourself. That's me. You know, was I a bloodthirsty competitor that wanted to be a world champion? Looking back, no, I actually wasn't. But I wanted to have the freedom to do what I wanted to do with my life. And the podcast was a no-brainer. I and and my algorithm and social media and like YouTube is a bunch of like just motivational speakers. I it's funny how it's cultivated for me like that. But the 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 main idea that that's really grooved into my head is just you have to try. Like that's how you separate yourself from people. You don't nobody who overplans something gets what they want out of it. Unless it's like a family vacation. But you know what happens on family vacation? Dad gets all stressed cuz Dad gets all stressed. Yeah, Mom yeah. wants us to go to breakfast at the hotel lobby at 7 a.m. No one does that. Anyway. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> my my brain works this way and I realized that I dump the Legos out and I throw the instructions away and I start building and I learn through self-discovery. And I realized that the only fear I had from starting a podcast was what people thought about it. But I realized no one's going to listen to it right away. Sure. So I just have to do it because I like doing it. So me and Yuli driving, because that was 2019 when we were in the Discraft RV, the conversations that I had with him were so good, so insightful. His brain is so different than people. He's so authentic and mixed with how I reacted to his brain and like the the insights that I gave to him, he would accept them. And I was like, well, we should just, this is it. Like we're doing a podcast and boom, clicked. people give Gary V flack. But the thing that he's always said that I don't need him to give me in a million videos was just like, doesn't matter how polished your first thing is. Just do it. Just do. The thing. I don't care if it's on your phone or on a crappy microphone, yep. just do something and you'll get ahead of everybody. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we shared a microphone. We shared a really crappy blue snowball 
and we just talked about form changes because Yuli made a really huge form change with his X step and I've went through some huge form changes and people loved it. And we put it out and people loved it. We made a second episode. Yeah, because that's what I talk about anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's productive and it shares our ideas with the world. And that to me is a huge deal. That's a big deal. So, and in disc golf, it's a big deal. And no zero nerves. I want to bring you guys into this conversation. I feel like Brian and I are starting to run away with it. Your first times doing the show. Talk about any nerves you might have had. Tons. Super worried about it. I had ne- never done anything like that before at all. Like this at all. I didn't care about the content at all. I just wanted to make sure all the mics were working. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, you kept focusing like on I'm the such a stuff. weird tech nerd about, you know, how everything was going to sound. And I had different mics at the time. I had a bunch of like large diaphragm, really high end studio condenser mics that I brought like an idiot. And it sounded fine. It sounded great, but there was no need for that. But like, I was just so nervous that it was going to sound like your average disc golf podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and I definitely didn't want to do that because if that was what it was going to be, we didn't need to do this at all. It needed to be more high end than that in my eyes. And I knew that you guys would bring the content. My fear was telling sort of a, a story and that everything kind of like was cohesive and that we were covering stuff that mattered. We weren't doing too much rambling. I wanted to make sure we just kind of kept it moving. And mm-hmm. I, all the disc golf podcasts I'd listened to up to that point had not done a good job of keeping my attention mm-hmm. to where I'd like, I'd get excited. Oh, it's a disc golf podcast. Cool. I can't wait to check it out. And then very early into listening, I'd be like, I just don't feel like this is going anywhere. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not hooked. I'm not You're into it. Talking so, about your friend's upshot that went in the woods and like, yeah. And so <laughs> no, we didn't do, we didn't do yeah. much of that yeah. until the show started, our show started to evolve. And now it's a big part of our show. We do a lot of just meandering and, and kind of BSing. Yeah. Uh, but that was my, all that was my only focus was trying to keep it moving, trying to keep it relevant. And it comes through. If you listen to the first episode, there's, we're not, it doesn't sound like we're having fun. We're just like, <laughs> we're just I felt like a deer in headlights it. back then. But yeah. you know, mm-hmm. once we got into the groove of realizing like a lot of what Brian is saying that you're just, you're figuring it out as you are doing it and that's right. okay. Yeah. Once that started to click and you could just tell after three or four episodes, then Jason started coming around and being our color commentary and making it a lot easier yes. for the vibe to be more chill and fun. Yeah. That's when it was like, okay, let's, let's make this a fun thing. Yeah. Totally. That of birdies and bogeys. The show wasn't the show until. I think you guys were being a little harsh on yourselves because I had listened to a lot of podcasts prior, but I'm just, as we're discussing this, I'm just now thinking about all the podcasts I listen to. I listen to celebrity podcasts. So they're already the type of person that's verse, call it used to the spotlight, right? So there was the nerves aren't there mm-hmm. when they have a podcast. So when Sean told me he was going to be part of one, and I started listening, you guys like instantly became celebrities to me. Like really, like in those first couple of episodes, because I more than we already listened were. more than you already yeah, were. Right. Clearly. Yeah. I listened to two and I was like, oh, they're doing the thing like that. You know how your brain will just connect dots? Like because I was listening to celebrity podcasts, because you guys had a podcast, you mm-hmm. were celebrities, right? Mm. So that's where a lot of my nerves came from. I was like, I thought that I was being like thrown to the wolves. Well, that first you, Sean episode. didn't throw you to the wolves, honestly, in the first episode. Didn't you say, yeah, I guess you can, we can try it out and see if, mm-hmm. if, if it works, then yeah. cool. But yeah, he, he said to you, it's on you to make it this work basically. But I mean, right. like I felt like oh, if I go in there and I sound stupid, these people, and it was like, when we were done, you had looked at me after and you were like, 
once you started talking, you raised all of our energy and that's what we needed. And that was like this, the weight of the world got lifted off my shoulder because I was like, I'm just going to go in there and sound like a rambling idiot and they're never going to want me back. So all of us had some amount of nerves. Nerves going into, yeah, that was my nerves. Yeah. Even after we record, you still don't know how are people going to receive this. Perceive, receive. Yeah. Right. So you have to, you have to have some kind of confidence to do the thing. And then you have that mental battle, like just waiting for it to get put out in the world and see what do people say back. I don't know. I think that's a fascinating thing. And I think it's something that if you've never done it before, you can't really appreciate what somebody like Terry or what some some of these people who are really great at it, the fear that they had to go through, the you know the tough things they had to go through like people thrashing you online like that's a hard thing and, to come in back in today's from. society it's all about the clicks right so it's like you don't you don't know you have to like know your level of what you want before you even get into it because if you just put it out there and you get like five people to listen you're like, you could be the person that's like oh my god five people listen that's amazing right mm-hmm. but you could also be the person that's like seriously that content was brilliant i gave my a game why is nobody paying attention to me like you have to know that going in yeah otherwise you're just gonna like be your own worst enemy trying mm-hmm. to continue people forget about podcasts the fact that if your first episode's brilliant how in the world can you expect a hundred thousand people to listen to your episode what will happen though is if you put out 200 episodes and it's all brilliant. We'll Eventually, go it's going to catch on, and people go back. People, right. I've mm. met people that have gone back through the entire Joe Rogan index, and they're like, "Oh, I've just heard about him for the first time," and they go one to like three thousand or however many episodes he has. That's yeah. what happens to podcasts. Like our first episodes, like me and Yuli, even with the crappy microphones and the really rambly content, and it's not even the format of the show anymore. Still, probably one, still right. yeah, probably one of your most listened to episodes. Yeah, probably one of your most listened to episodes. That's what you just you do it to do it. You do it for yeah. the sake of doing it. Right. And eventually, it's the I know that guy effect. If you ever make it and your your voice is worth something, people will go. I was listening ever since that first terrible episode with the bad mics. <laughs> They've come such a long way, and yeah. then that viewer or that listener is so much more connected to you. Mm-hmm. Total. Oh that's my a God, huge that's deal. A, I just hope they, yeah, uh, the the new listener listens to the first or the newest episode and then goes back. Yeah. Because yeah, my fear right. is always they're yep. going to listen to the first one because they've seen it and then we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because we weren't as polished and, you know, everything else they listen to, there's an expectation. Right? right. But not to, to say that we're polished now, but we have come a long way. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, when you find a new podcast, what do you do? Yeah, I usually true. listen to the most recent episode. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. I go, okay, that was great. I'm going to go back you know, exactly. for a few more. Mm-hmm. And if it's really great, then I'm like, let's just run the train. That's what I do. Yeah. And that, like you have to know that going in because then you have to have every episode needs to be your best one, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't know what's going to put yeah. when they're going to jump in. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting dynamic to like sit and dissect and think about. There is a little bit of nerves I get whenever we do an episode that's let's say let's say we do an episode that we know we're like oh that one really hit the right notes like we just had the right energy we had a really meaningful message and mm-hmm. we had a lot of fun and it's like check 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 you're on this high and then you maybe do an episode you know one or two later you're like man that just wasn't on the same level mm-hmm. as the other one mm-hmm. I hope no one listens to this as their first episode right. like it's hard to get out of your head with that right. but you have to otherwise how do you keep putting more things out? It's being an informed consumer. And if they're not an informed consumer, then they're not, they're going to have a bad time consuming content. You know, I think some people just know like, oh yeah, you have to give multiple episodes a chance, especially like veteran podcast listeners. They know it's a human thing. 
Some some content is just not entertaining. There, there's a great philosophy podcast that I listen to, and some episodes are just boring as hell. But some are amazing and brilliant, and what he writes is mm-hmm. so good. And it's just that's just how podcasts are. It's just yeah. people talking, yeah. you know. So you can't expect people to just latch onto every single word you say. And then also, some of your worst content might be someone's favorite episode. Bob Julio from Discraft gave me some of the best advice of my life, and he's like, "You can't ever sell with your own pocketbook in mind, ever." Just because you think something stupid doesn't mean some, someone else might think it's the most brilliant thing ever. Oh, man, I love that advice. Because it's true. Think about disc buying. I would never spend $300 on a disc because it looks pretty. Yeah. But they do. Right. To somebody, they do. But they Every all do. Day. Yeah. Every day. Every day. So that, yeah. the world is bigger than we realize. Once upon a time, I, I used to make a lot more beats. Like when I was, I had nothing else to do in my life. It was like my creative expression. And I'd put a lot of stuff out, even if it was terrible, because I was proud of everything I made mm-hmm. at that point. And then once I got better, I started to take those old things off the internet because mm-hmm. I was embarrassed. And a couple times, some random stranger messaged me like, you had this song that you had put out, like, I know this is random, but you put it out a couple of years ago and I can't find it anywhere. Do you happen to still have that file? And I'm like, exactly. And I'm like, what? Yep. I took that down because I was so embarrassed of it, dude. No, nope. no, I'm sorry. I don't yeah. have that anymore. So yeah. without beating uh, this horse too much, I think this is a good point to at least bring up what was clearly the most talked about thing in the mailbag for this episode is when is your podcast returning? I, you earlier yeah. you mentioned it's on hiatus. No, I feel like it's a good time to bring that up and talk about it. Yeah. So once who, I- who asked that question? Who? Yeah. Uh, you start talking and I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> So I didn't finish my, the, the answer to your very first question, which Sorry. was like, how did I make this transition? But it, I essentially I got to a point where I realized I had to choose playing and cut everything else out of my life, which I think I could have done. Could have rehabbed my back, could have rehabbed my shoulder, could have put in another awesome off season of practice. Or do I just say, screw this stressful thing that would make me cast my whole rest of my life aside and do I take the rest of my life? And I did that. I chose the rest of my life. I chose a career where my brain can make me money and that's it. And, and that makes me happy and less stressed. So with the podcast, I realized, man, I have been putting in a ton of work and giving some very valuable content and telling some very valuable stories for next to nothing. Like I had, I have a Patreon. We were doing all right. I wasn't really doing a ton with the show in regards to marketing, Sure, but I was making a few hundred dollars a month, but I was giving that money to either a guy to edit the show for me or me and Lindsay were just using it as like, I don't know, gas. Cause Lindsay p- like edits the show fund. and Lindsay is like brilliant. So I haven't really seen much of any of that money, but this year I'm like, and I was talking to Sean about this earlier in the week. Cause he's also self-employed business owner. I'm not sure what the rest of you guys are entirely doing, but it's like no, nothing. You, yeah, nothing. Yeah. You just have to, I, I had to start taking myself more seriously and I had to start by making sure other people took me seriously. So I upped all my rates for lessons and I made people realize, like, I'm going to now charge what I think I'm worth. Yep. And I'm going to charge what I think I'm worth for everything now. And the podcast, I realized, was gaining this cult following. And I realized that it was becoming a very important thing to document these really important coming-of-age stories before right. the game goes too far. Right. And we forget that people were living out of their cars mm-hmm. and eating rice and beans every day because mm-hmm. they wanted to pave the way for the next generation of players. Right. And I, I believe the history of the Frisbee in general is extremely important. So I want to go super far with this show. But now at this point in my life, I have to make money with it. Yeah. And I have to charge what I'm worth. So I'm selling the show. 
and the show is the deal is about 90% done. Uh, I'm selling it to a huge distribution platform that I'm not going to name yet, but they're very big and they're going to help me monetize the show. They're going to get the show out to way more people than I've ever given it to Dude. before. And I'm still going to get creative control over the show. Lindsay's going to be able to edit it if she wants. They have a podcast producer that'll put it out if they want it to. So, and, and I'm going to make the money that I think the show's worth. They're going to help me with merchandise. They just see everything that I want to do and they realize the value of it. So that's what's happening, but I'm not putting out another episode until the show, the, the deal is done because it's going to be sick. Like we have ideas for how we're going to advertise and other bits of media we're going to tie to the show. And if we can execute all of it, it's going to be so cool. And we're going to tell so many sick stories. I will tell just a brief snippet to anyone listening to this show wants to hear a snippet of what a future episode is going to be like luke sampson you guys know luke sampson he's from illinois yes sir this boy is obsessed with success this boy is po- literally possessed mm-hmm. with the competitive bug and i love this kid so much he is so awesome when he was younger he was a baseball player he's a very good baseball player he's a big boy he's a big dude yeah he's a big boy mm-hmm He's like six foot three, four, mm-hmm. 210 pounds, muscular. Dude's an athlete. He quit baseball early in high school. And this is during a, an episode that we haven't released yet. But I don't know if we're going to re record it or put the one out we recorded already. But he said that he found out that one of his friends got drafted by the Blue Jays later in high school. Apparently, the BJs. apparently he got burnt out and he quit baseball early. His friend gets drafted by the Blue Jays and he was. In the episode, his eyes like lit up when he starts telling the story. And this is where I'm like, can we get like an animator to animate this this right. part of the story yeah, and yeah, put yeah. this up on YouTube or or what? Can we can we get this? Because all of a sudden he was like rambly and stressed throughout the podcast, but then this story hits and he's like dialed in. He's like my no, friend gets drafted by the Blue Jays, and I'm like, I've got better stuff than this guy. I'm better than this guy. He builds. His, he builds a pitcher's mound in his parents' backyard as a young 20-something or maybe even earlier and self-teaches himself and gets his fastball up to 93. Wow. Self-taught. self-taught. And then through that obsession, he finds himself like weaving his way through like community college teams, working his way up to more successful college teams finding his way into the farm system and then he burns the hell out in the farm system and finds himself disc in, di- in disc golf and the same obsession is being put into disc golf we i never thought he would be anything he was like 970 he had a really baseball player-esque throw mm-hmm. but the one thing that i noticed about him was that he was obsessed with practicing and he putted every single day before his rounds he putted every single day after his rounds his putt was gorgeous and look where he is now i mean he's just steadily getting better Climbing. and better and better who else is going to tell that story? Like, but but that and I don't want to be the guy that has to talk the whole time. There is brilliance coming from these disc golfers that are so different than than normal people most of the time. I want to give them a platform. I'm not anything special. I'm just not trying true. to get thank you, but I'm saying the show is is not me being this brilliant conversationalist. All I'm trying to do is keep them on topic and confident to tell mm-hmm. their brilliant story that people don't realize or maybe they don't realize is so amazing. So yeah, uh, I'm stoked. That sounds super important. It reminds me of what Lauren Lakeberg has talked about before 
with the early footage. Like when you watch a skateboarding documentary and you get yes. to see like the Ugh. footage of like what was happening with skateboarding in the 70s and the 80s. I and love those it. Those people yeah. that maybe you never ended up hearing about it if you only got into skateboarding, yeah. you know, way later. But like the culture was being formed every day and like people were trying new things and like people had stories and like how it got to this level that it's at now, there are so many stories to be told yes. along that path. Imagine and disc golf is young enough that we, the more people doing that for this sport right now, mm-hmm. 10, 20 years from now, like exactly dude, so mm-hmm. important. Imagine if those mixtapes, those early mixtapes and skateboarding never existed. You know, yeah. I remember Ben Calloway was telling me that he used to just wait and you might've been same boat. I don't know how many of you are skaters, but you, you probably know this, but Imagine if those those mixtapes of the new tricks from mm-hmm. a certain skater coming out never existed. The innovation wouldn't be there. That was right. the coolest part about skateboarding before the YouTube era was you had to wait for that person's content, that person's mixtape to come out mm-hmm. to see a new variation of the kickflip, to then take that, learn that, and then make your own variation yeah. of it and, and evolve. And now we see these young disc golfers doing the same thing, watching like mm-hmm. Paul McBeth carve this insane line that takes years to learn. And they're like, oh yeah, I got that. Boom. Mm-hmm. And now we have all these young kids that are learning those lines at 17. Paul McBeth did not throw that way at 17. Paul threw really hard and he threw really far, but he was not as precise as he is now. These kids are getting that way now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so cool to see this game evolve, but the stories of the past need to be preserved before we get too far into it. From the player side, there's a lot of that going on, but I'm personally more excited by the other parts of disc golf life that are like uh-huh. have the same effect. Like the people who are doing media, uh-huh. the people who are you know doing the podcasts, who are putting out the videos who are running the the Instagram accounts, like the people who are creating the uh-huh. stories around all these things. And like, it shows any kid can pick up a mic or pick up their phone and create the same stuff as well. And the mm-hmm. more people doing that kind of thing mm-hmm. again, exactly. Everybody it lifts like the rising tide lifts yeah. all ships. Mm-hmm. Right? I agree with you, man. You made this decision to go to use your words. You, you were, uh-huh. you're having the tug of war of between, uh, pro player and media mm-hmm. and you made the decision I think for your mental health really to like to to get away from that imposter syndrome feeling to get more into a place where you are sure of what you're doing is what you really want to mm-hmm. be doing and I noticed you know that's like a big part of Wander Wander Disc Golf's brand uh-huh. message is that like self-exploration and, and mental health and I'm wondering if that's something that you just kind of stumbled into mm. like really thinking a lot about or have you always been really cognizant about your mental health um great question um i'm not gonna i can't tell the whole story but i think when i decided for the very first time that i i was going to finally listen to the voice in my head and start committing more to disc golf full time and starting the, the the journey of moving away from where i was living getting a new job saving as much money as i could to get on tour, to just like cast everything away and, and go for this. That's when I started becoming more of who I was. And that's when my mental health started improving. But I've always been just kind of a, a, a nutcase. My brain's always just been moving a million miles an hour. And Sean can attest to this. He's watched a lot of it evolve over time. <laughs> but it's like when you, you flip a coin to make a decision and then it lands on the side that you don't want. And then you're like, then, you know, oh, I know, uh-huh. I know what I'm supposed to do now. 
Oh, that's such a good... That happened to me in disc golf because when I was a pro player and I was getting paid for this and then I started getting these like promotions and I started getting these endorsement deals and it never felt right for me. I always felt like I was defending something rather than like thriving within it. Cause when a young kid who's like an obsessive competitor that wants to be a pro athlete gets that boom, they're next level. They're going, they're, they're into it. It put such a burden on me. And after a while I thought it was just my fault. And then I realized last year, like, no, you idiot. You just don't want to do that. You just don't want to compete anymore. That's okay. The only issue that you have is that your name is on the zone and everyone thinks that that's what you want to do. Maybe you felt a sense of I've made some commitments or at least I've indicated that this is the lane I'm going to go down and Uh I don't want to be perceived as somebody who's going back on their word or something like that. It's weird to have just anyone looking at you that doesn't know you. And it started to get to a point where a lot of people were looking at me and I, I was like, well, if they look at me, what do they see? And they thought that that's what I wanted to be was a professional player. But really I was loving the podcast. I was loving the commentary. I was loving whenever I got to do lessons. I was loving the clinics that I was doing. I was loving everything else other than what actually paid the bills for me at the time. So I felt trapped. It was a very simple decision. It was just a, just constantly reflecting, but it was just the realization of like, oh yeah, if I was living for myself right now, what would I do? If I won the lottery, what would be my next choice? Would I keep playing? And the answer was no. And I asked myself again last year, do I want to be a world champion? I'm 30 years old now. And my answer was no. So it was very easy for me. Like I thought I was going to be all emotional at the USDGC, my last tournament, you know, AJ Risley, my best friend on tour, was caddying for me. I thought it was going to be a really emotional moment. Mm-hmm. I tapped out and was like, oh, Relief. I'm done. I'm so done. <laughs> I'm done. I can't wait. And it felt like I, f- I felt like I was like starting Pokemon over again as a first grader. You know what I'm talking about? You finish oh, yeah. the game, but, you're like, you're, but about? you're like, if I got to do this over again, I would do it totally differently. And I can't wait to do that. And then you do. Yeah. But I got to do that with my life with new knowledge and an industry that's blossoming and a career path that now as a 31 year old, my body doesn't have to pay the bills, my brain and my mouth and my communication skills and my ability to be a team player can pay me the bills. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just the biggest no brainer. And that was the biggest victory for my mental health. It wasn't like I overcame this insane problem that I had. I was just lying to myself for a long time, but I didn't know I was. And then you just figure it out. And now, yeah, I'm not depressed. I've never felt a lick of depression this year. It was the, it's the, it's a weird thing. It's a Mm. weird feeling when you're not looking back anymore. So one of the things I've always thought about through watching your transition and all the, all this stuff is what was that conversation like going to Bob and going to Yuli and going to Discraft Mm. and going, you guys have been such a huge support and obviously it's worked out. We know that you're doing new things, but what was that like? How did that, how did that go down? Yuli just said, I love you. That's all he said. Yuli has stuck his neck out for me more than anyone else in disc golf. And I don't get it. I still don't get it. He, he put me in the Discraft RV my first, after my first year on tour, just because he liked the way that I talked. And then ever since then, anyone who's a big deal in the game, he's like, have you talked to Brian yet? Have you talked to Brian yet? Have you talked to Brian yet? He doesn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. And this is a, this guy's a big deal. This guy has thousands and thousands of fans globally and sticks plus his years in it. Sticks yeah. it, yes. Mm-hmm. Sticks his neck out for me. So he said, "I love you, dude, and you're you're amazing. And if you commit to this, you will be the best." 
which to me in commentary doesn't matter. I just want to make a living and, and make people happy and love the game more. And then Bob, same thing. It was actually the most refreshing thing. Bob said something along the lines of like, dude, we know you had a bad season. I didn't really know why, but we would have resigned you. Like we, we believe in you. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was like, holy crap. You know, that's amazing. So I'll, I'll go back. I told Bob and was like, dude, I laid everything out that I just laid out to you guys. And Bob was like, I, I sensed that from you. He's like, you know, your, your commentary is really good. He's like, if you think you can do this, then try to do it. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. It was like middle of the, it was like end of the year, 2021. And I just like called him and told him. And he, he actually more than anybody didn't question me at all. He was just like, I, I see that. He's like, get after it. So then he's like, we actually had an idea. He's like, we love everything that you've done for us. What if you, what if we talked about you being like the Danny Lindahl of our company? of Discraft. And mm. I was like, that's perfect. Cause I, I know ultimate too. I can do ultimate videos for you guys. I can do anything for you guys. Let's talk about a full-time job. And Bob's like, cause we don't want to lose you. He's like, we will work any deal out, even if it's under the table or whatever, we don't have to sign a contract. If you don't want, let's fly you out to Detroit and we'll talk about what, what the, op- the next opportunity is. It flew me out there. And then as I'm in, first off my air, my AirPods got stolen at the airport. I oh left them on a chair, went to the bathroom. It was crazy. Went to the bathroom, came back, they were gone. And I, I did the find my iPhone app that that's attached to my AirPods. That oh, was walking around the airport right next to me, but you can't quite tell where right, they are. Yeah, and I was just like, Oh my God, this Newman. I almost like yeah. yelled out like, who's got my AirPods? <laughs> Why would you not yell that out? That would have been so, cause epic. I don't want to make a scene in an airport and my yeah. flight was leaving soon. And I was just oh, so angry. Man. But anyway, that happened. But then <laughs> as I land in Detroit to go talk to them about this, I get a text from Mahmood. Mo, who's the mm-hmm. pr- the the director at DGN, he's like, we're gonna offer you. I think he said like twenty four events. He's like, he's like, hey, I'm just gonna be blunt. We really like your stuff. We're gonna offer you this. Do you accept? Like right as I land in Detroit, so I had some I had some leverage, yeah, to, to let them know. So I go in there. We have a conversation. We realize that like their media team is really understaffed. They're they're like. Their main guy right now, Shane, is doing videography, editing, social media, marketing, and he's so talented, but they, he has been tasked with an enormous job of completely rebranding the company and then also doing all this other stuff. And he's like, even if you were the Danny Lindahl, I wouldn't have the time for you to do this. And I wouldn't, and unless we hired freelance people constantly, which is a lot of money, I wouldn't have time to edit any of this. So we realized it wasn't the right time. And I told him about what happened and Mike Wagner just looked at me and was like, dude, why would you not take 24 events? He's like, if you're trying to self-brand yourself, why would you not be front and center? Just do it. He's like, he's like, here's what we'll do. You know, we'll keep you in the back pocket. We don't have to sign a single contract. We're going to, we're going to give you X amount of money. We'll work it out with Ledgestone. So there's like a backdoor deal. Cause I'm still, I still do some stuff for Ledgestone. So they're paying me that way. And he's like, I want the Scott Papa, you remember Scott Papa videos back in the day from like 2010, old, old Discraft tutorials. If you watch them, they're pretty hilarious. Like Scott Papa was like this old school disc golfer with like some weird red, yellow hair. He was just a legend of the game, but made tutorials for Discraft. And Bob's like, we want more of those. We want you to do the new series of them. So if you do X amount of videos, we'll pay you X amount of money. And then in the future, if we grow our team and we see something like fitting and you like it, let's do it. So that's what happened. So I'm, I'm still with Discraft. I didn't sign a contract with them, but I'm 
entirely loyal for that exact reason. They didn't bat an eye. They were yeah. like, let's that that's what I've always loved about them as a company is if you tell them what you want out of your life, not just disc golf, they'll push you in that direction. If you have an ambitious spirit, like that's why Paige is killing it with them. Mm-hmm. She is the most ambitious spirit and she's killing it with them because they're like, yeah, whatever you want, we got you. <laughs> like do whatever you want to do. Be an entrepreneur. Oh, Paul McBeth, you want to be Michael Jordan? You want that brand? Sure. We'll give that to you. You know, that's, that's what I love about them. So that's, that's kind of where my life is at right now. And I'm kind of enjoying working with everybody. I like working, doing commercials for PDGA. I like doing the Joe Mez putting game. I like the idea, you know, that, that I've pitched shows to them before and they're like, yeah, we like that idea. Like let's work some shows out in the future. Like I like working with everybody. And then one day if somebody goes, Hey, we'll pay you a bunch of money and take everything in house. I'll take it. But not, not until then. I've been having a lot of fun with it. Oh, yeah. That's how it's gone. Nobody sweetened the contract with a pair of AirPods? <laughs> Not yet. I should have oh, negotiated yeah. that, though. I was hoping that's where the story was headed. They were in. Yeah. The yeah. last place scene was in Scottsdale, Arizona, right next to Fountain Hills Disc Golf Course. Crazy enough. Mm. But then they died, and, and that was the last place scene. You are the second pro disc golfer that we collectively know who have had their AirPods stolen. Oh, really? Yeah. That sucks. Wow. Who else? <laughs> Another thing that comes to mind when we talk about all we'll your, your your story, and I know so much of it, 2018 Brian, early early on, what would that Brian think of where you are right now? Would it be absolutely mind-blowing to the Brian that took off in the Buick mm-hmm. and, and struggled and like all the things that I know that you went through early on to be where you're at now four years later, calling your own shots? Is that nuts to you? What does that feel like? I think... In a way, yes, and in a way, no, because looking back, if I were to ask myself in 2018, the only time I would have answered, yes, I want to be a world champion would have been right when I left, right when I left for the road. I got hurt. I like ripped my rotator cuff like Mm -hmm. three events into the tour. Yeah. And I played with like this giant shoulder brace that I tied as tight as I could. So I couldn't even lift my arm up, but it was just enough to throw a backhand. I wore that all year. And after that point, I started to question things. I started blogging. I started like doing other stuff. Cause I, at the time I was like, I, I wasn't making any money. Yeah. So I just needed to stay relevant and stay like making money. So I had to like, tell my story to people. So, I mean, in a way, like I wouldn't be surprised because I started realizing very quickly that like, <laughs> there's a lot more to it than to being a pro athlete. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's yeah. really, really hard. And I got hurt quick. And then like the the nail in the coffin for me was 2019 when I got eighth at the Memorial. You were there again. You were just, yeah. you were just there every time I've yeah. shot well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, but after that, I was like, okay, great. And then- Was I put, in the bag? Yeah. I was in the bag. Dude, we, yeah. I played sick. Yeah. yeah. I played, remember hole nine at, at Vista, that like over the water, lefty, high, yep. I birdied it. It was like 470. We watched you caddy yep. on coverage. Yeah. Yeah. It was so uh-huh. gnarly. I was playing- Great, because another offseason, I put all my time into practicing, and then Waco comes. This was the nail in the coffin where I my, my life kind of started changing. I had to start questioning myself. I got on the feature card at Waco because I played well, and I was like new. I was ready to go. I was playing Waco, liked the course. A day before the tournament, I take my very first step of the day. I hop off my bunk in the RV. Oh. I take a step over my grip bag. My toe hooks the umbrella loop and on a fully loaded grip bag, and I trip the bag goes this way. My foot goes this way and it goes and I hear it and I broke my foot and 
right before I was about to be on camera. And I, I shot a six down the next day, throwing only standstill sidearm. I hit this sick jump putt where I like hobbled up to the basket on like hole eight. But while I was healing, because after that, I, I didn't have insurance, so I wasn't going to go to the doctor. But I was like, this is black, and it's the size of a softball. I showed it to this guy that was a medic in the That's army. What she said. Jason, control yourself. Thank you. Uh-huh. Lay it down. I'll go and continue. It's a generational thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I met a guy who's on tour who was a medic for the army, and I was like, can you just... Just, just give me a loose estimate. How, how many weeks? And he's like, that's broken. He's like six to eight weeks. I'm, but, but please don't like consider this pure medical advice. This is just my opinion. So during those six to eight weeks, I didn't play disc golf. And that's when Yuli got me the gig doing commentary for Jomez. Mm-hmm. And that's when my light bulb went off and I was like, I no, love this. Yeah. So I sought out as much commentary as I could. I did commentary with Kevin Jones for Central Coast. Me and Tom did commentary for one round of D-Glow, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. epic. Like, I'm so happy to say that I got to do commentary with my brother on Central Coast Disc Golf. That's, it was awesome. And Tom yeah. did a great job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think part of me was like, I think all along I realized going on tour was I wanted the freedom to explore the world of disc golf to see what career I could find. Being a player, like I, through the podcast, I realized like, if you know you're, you want to be a pro athlete, that's all you're, you want to be. Like Mm -hmm. my dad is the same way. He was shocked when I made this decision to do commentary. He just didn't get it. His brain was just like, so you're, you're going to play a full season, right? I was like, well, no, I'm not playing any tournaments. He's like, okay, so like 10 tournaments you're going to play. <laughs> like, and some athletes just don't get it. Yeah. And I think the fact that it made sense to me made me realize like me and Ricky and Paul and Eagle are not on the same page. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. So totally Sometime okay. around after that broken toe, you started to have that voice in the back of your head that progressively got louder and louder. The more media things it was you Yuli. did. It was Yuli. It was Paul Yulberry that like made it possible. Otherwise, if I didn't get that gig, I probably wouldn't have gotten any commentary gigs. And so, I would have just struggled with my ego. I think anxiety is something that is so popular on social media. <laughs> like everyone talks about how they yeah. have anxiety, and I think we all do. It's kind of a matter of how you deal with it or, uh-huh. or don't. From my perspective, what anxiety is, is the voice in the back of your head that's trying to tell you mm-hmm. there's something you're not taking care of or there's something that you are doing that is not what you actually want to be doing uh-huh. or there's there's something that you should be doing differently that you know you should be doing differently yeah. and you're ignoring it. And so your body's response is to create anxiety. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. It's that motivation to get you to do the thing that you deep down know you should do. Mm-hmm. If you haven't questioned where your anxiety comes from, start to pay attention to things that like what triggers that anxiety? Like mm-hmm. what and what moments and what scenarios do you start to feel anxious and try to break it down? Like where is that coming from? Because mm-hmm. it, I think it's a very like biological thing that's your it's like a survival thing your body's trying to get you to do what you know you're supposed to do and i think it's an important message for for disc golfers mm-hmm. for, for men especially um, i agree i think our listeners have really enjoyed when we talk about mental health and i figured why not touch on that because i know that's uh something you care about i know yeah. it's something that wander cares about there there's a difference between being anxious and having panic disorder being anxious is natural, but having a disorder where your central nervous system is not firing properly, that's a problem. Right. People can be depressed, but not have clinical depression. Right. Like, and it's okay to be depressed. And the, and when it, when you're just feeling anxious, when you're just feeling depressed, those are the times, then yes, your subconscious knows something needs to change, mm-hmm. but you're, you're trapped. But yeah, having a disorder is, is completely different. Like I had a thyroid disorder last year 
the blood work has come back fine, but I had a panic attack for a week straight. It was the weirdest and worst thing that's ever happened to me. Oh my God. And, it, and there was no stimulus. Nothing happened to, to cause it. But part of having a hyperactive thyroid apparently is like your central nervous system is like, <gasps> so my vision would start same. going blurry oh and my like my, ch- my heart would start beating irregularly out of my chest. And it was, ho- and then you close your eyes to try to make it better and it makes it worse because you get disoriented and you have vertigo. Hmm. And this was all, it all started on a plane to go do work for the PDG. <laughs> and it happened for a week straight. I couldn't drive my rental car. Um, and, and I had to read off a teleprompter all week, but that's, that was a, a, a medical problem. And that was something that I can't, I can't explain, but I feel like I did my best to beat the self-induced depression and self-induced anxiety mm-hmm. where you literally just aren't behaving the way your, your beliefs tell you, you should behave. Totally. You know? So yeah, that, that's a big discrepancy in the world. Just because you feel anxious doesn't mean you have an anxiety disorder. That is the point I was trying to make. Yeah. Really well said. And uh, I think it's a really cool point to wrap on the bangers and mash. Yeah. Yeah. To really listen to that voice and to Mm -hmm. follow the thing that's telling you like to chase the thing that you want to chase and like, Uh don't ignore that voice. I think we should let Lauren Lakeberg finish that thought. So what you really want to be doing is just listen when that voice is talking to you in your head. Just listen to it and follow it all the way through because it's happening for a reason. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren, I didn't even see you come in. Uh, uh, yeah, that's fantastic, man. I actually, I'm gonna, I am gonna. have one more thing that I want to bring up. Someone that is, helps with every single thing that I do in disc golf with the business, with the podcast, mm. is my amazing partner, wife, Sheila. You have been with Lindsay for a while now. What major role is she playing in your life? You guys live in a van together. You guys do everything together. I wouldn't be able to do anything that I'm doing in disc golf without the support of Sheila. Mm. Talk about Lindsay for a minute. Like, What what is that like being close quarters and, and figuring that out? Our relationship is really exciting in the sense that we are both in a really breakthrough period of our lives. When Lindsay came on the road for the first time, she was really just like, I wouldn't say lost, but she really didn't have an idea of like how she could contribute to the world. But I sensed from her, one of my favorite parts about her is I could tell there was this burning passion to impact the world in some way, micro or macro. And our whole relationship has been me uncovering from her what she truly wants to do in this world and her breaking down my complicated world because on the outside I was presenting what I wanted to do, but I wanted to do something else. I just didn't know it was possible. So we've just been kind of pushing each other to really get to where we truly want to go. And this year it's just like gone over the edge. And now we see the next 10 years of our lives playing out, which is so cool, but it's really hard. Like she came on the road while I was living in a van or I was living in the Discraft RV with uh, Chandler Fry and Tim Barham. It just got to a point where like they were burnt out. We didn't spend a lot of time in the RV and we ended up just living out of our Subaru right away. So like that's so unhealthy to move in with someone in, into an apartment right away, let alone a vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and a Subaru at that. Yeah, and yeah. and we, I think we were just both ready for an adventure and we haven't looked back. And yeah. we went to Maple Hill after all that. And we were like, let's build a van next year. I have the money for it. Lindsay's like, I got some money to throw down on that. Let's do it. And we just did it. 
Like yeah. it's just been a bunch of just like getting after it together. And mm-hmm. it's to me the most satisfying thing to finally see her after two years and she battled depression so hard, even on the road. And then I had to deal with that while I was dealing with all the shit that I was going through on the road to see her finally like blossom. And like now people are seeing like, oh my God, she is like the baddest bitch there is. Like she works so hard and is so professional with people and is so kind and, and fair and is a team player and takes care of the people in her circle. And and now because she's put herself out there in front of the world, everyone gets to see what I see. Yeah. And so that that's what's been amazing about it. And, and that we always have to look back and go, we've lived in 60 square feet or less for three years. We had our first apartment ever, my first apartment in seven years last winter. And we didn't fight one time. There's no arguments. It was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. This is really easy. Yeah. <laughs> Running water really changes things. Yeah. Running water. Yeah. Really, that's the title of the episode. So, and I don't know how much you guys know, but now Lindsay is working with DGPT. Full time. So yeah, that's, I, I mean, this not. is like, oh, this is a thing. Like it, what the success story of the, of, you know, knowing you guys and watching you guys and, you know, meeting up a couple of times a year, it has been so rad to see everything that you got now it's kind of coming together and and that's how i think of everything that happens Dude. with delwood disc golf is that as soon as sheila and i were able to go like we're doing this as a joint effort exactly. it was like game on baby so it's, it's so, so inspiring fun. but to it's see so you guys fun doing it too. though like because yeah. you're doing it with sheila it's like yeah. our lives can finally like synchronize but we're still in our own lanes and right. that's so fun like like she's not dependent on you you're not dependent on her but it helps to trust the other person. Right. So I am so happy with where we're at right now. I, I think the world of disc golf from a business standpoint is still in the wild west phase. It's sure. so fun. Oh, and sure. like, if you believe something and you do something, it happens like Zoe and Ike with you play disc golf. Mm-hmm. He's like, there needs to be more school demos. Bam. Bam. And then yeah. she just went after it. And now mm-hmm. there, there you go. So I still can't believe we're, we're here and we still like each other after this, but I think it's just desensitized us to some of the crap that people deal with later in life in their relationship. We just got it out of the way in the first year. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's been it's amazing. Great. Cool. Cool. Well, if, uh, if we're going to just talk about bad bitches, then let's say shout out to, to Lindsay, shout out to Sheila. And I think we can all agree the baddest bitch is Kenny Slauson. Shout out out to you, Kenny. Hands down. Slizzle. Slaw Dog Airlines. Slaw Dog, you are are a bad bitch, Kenny. All right. That was a a really fantastic bangers and mash. Jason, are you ready to bring us into the mailbag? Hold on. Let me check. Yep. I'm ready. Sick. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Okay, Jason went Dang, the extra mile. dude. Okay. I normally do. Yeah. Dang. I forget on your list of things you're really great at, singing is on the list, too. Yes, it is. Do you want me to sing the mailbag tonight? Oh, not no, you. No, he was talking about talking Mr. Brian. Earhart. I felt like he was talking to me. Okay. You're good, He too. wasn't, but He's okay. Fine. <laughs> uh, earlier, we had a question with regards to your podcast. I didn't get the opportunity to say uh, those questions were submitted by Clayton Kaufman and, of course, Ryan Stilson wanted to know ah, yes. when the next episode was going to be. So speaking of, let's start things off with a Ryan Stilson question, because why not? Great. What was your most favorite ace that you've ever gotten? Ever gotten. Okay. So it was 
At least the first one that pops out right away was at Highland Park in Joliet. Oh, God, o- yes. Old 15. So it was across the valley on top sure. of the hill. Yep. Uh-huh. And it's like deep. It's like a really hard green to even access. Mm-hmm. I aced that one with a buzz back in the day. And it was mm. during a casual round. And I was playing with Roman Coral and Jadge, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Jadge was <laughs> drunk. Shocker. No. Shocker. But he was chilling. But he wasn't paying any attention. Roman had just lost a disc and was pissed. Fuming. So neither of them were watching, and I crushed this ace. (laughs) Heiser flip buzz with this old first run, and it popped up, drifted up the hill, got all the way to the flat, air shot ace on 15 at Highland. That's a nasty ace on a gnarly old basket, too. And I turn. Roman is pissed off that he lost a disc and Jazz is just giggling at his phone. <laughs> and I'll never be able to have the satisfaction of knowing that no one saw that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. That's a good one. Though. Great. Yeah. So it didn't yes. even happen. Nobody saw it. My soul saw it. Yeah. <laughs> my Lord and savior, Jesus Christ saw it. <laughs> so, uh, Oh my God. It counts. Donnie. It counts. Yes, it does. All right, next question. Michelle Lopez wants to know what took so long for us to get Brian on the show. Where are we at on that? We weren't really sure if we liked him in the first place. Yep. Yeah. Sure. I feel that. It took a while. Yeah. I've been sitting yeah. next to him for the past two hours, and I'm still not sure. I'll be yeah. Honest. Yeah. We'll get there. I'd rather have you be in between than, than hating me right away. So. <laughs> oh, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. You get enough of those comments, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 I think it's just a matter of your travel yeah. schedule probably yeah. right you're yeah. out of there a lot yeah, yeah. uh next question comes from ryan aquino it's a two-parter the first part we covered in the bangers and mash he just wanted you to talk about like moving from a player to the disc golf mm-hmm. network but the second part is with regards to your interview questions he wants to know uh he says your interview questions are solid talk us through the process in crafting those huh. and how much of it is planned versus conversational. So if you're talking about the, like I botched a terrible interview this year with Simon Lazat at uh, Portland Open when he won. I found out too late that, so first off, you're coming down the stretch and to answer the question right away. You, I don't know who's winning. Garrett sure. and Simon are coming down the stretch yeah. and I'm trying to formulate questions for Garrett. I'm trying to formulate questions for Simon and they're really hard to come up with like on the spot. It's easy when it's a runaway because you have like holes and holes to formulate mm-hmm. this, but there's 2,000 fans screaming. Yeah, and you're in the Terry yelling mm-hmm. in your ear. Yeah. And like Simon wins after just chaos. Mm-hmm. And then I find out that the microphone they've plugged into the, the, the broadcast is also like a projector mic that's talking to the 2,000 fans. And I didn't know that. It's never that way. So I start talking and it goes, Bleh! and it like projects super loud. So that my brain goes, all right, so am I talking to them or am I talking to the camera? And I didn't make a decision and I just vomited (laughs) words out and I got so much shit for that. But (laughs) that, so so to answer the question, it's just you're coming down the stretch and you're just listening and you're trying to figure out like, okay, what's a clever question to ask this guy? That's it. And there's no planning. You can't, Mm -hmm. you can't. I do a little bit when it's like a five stroke lead going into the final day, but you never know who's going to win. I have a question that's kind of uh, based on, those questions from purely a tech standpoint uh-huh. clearly that's what i'm going to ask walk me through the process of sitting down in the booth and doing commentary from like mm. uh are people feeding you stats you know are people feeding you questions and you know are you just 
strictly going by what you see or how much of it is being fed to you and how much of it is prepped and all of that? So there's a, there's a lot of prep involved. I have a laptop off to the side that has like a few tabs open, one with UDisk, one with Statmando. Uh, the Statmando Discord is feeding us stats. They're like... You know, if, if you're curious about something, you type in and they, they find it for you. You know, it depends on who you commentate with, too. If you commentate with Charlie Eisenhood, like I did with U.S. Women's, he'll he'll have a whole stat sheet lined up for you. And you have like it right in front of you and you're able to read off that if you want. I try to not do tons of just stat reading, but I like to have them on hand. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of both. Uh, as far as what's in your ear mm. and what you're watching and all of that, how long did it take you to get into the groove of being able to do that? Because just like you said, mm. Mm-hmm. When you realize that Mike was on both and you couldn't figure it out, like there, there's a learning curve to that. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think at, that that was just my exposure moment where I, sure. na- I now realize like, I just expect every microphone they hand me now to be a projector. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to talk to the fans. Yeah. But really when you sit down doing commentary in the booth, you have the whole production team yelling at you. I was saying that mm-hmm. earlier, like that's really hard to talk precisely when someone else is that sometimes the volume is way too loud and you are hearing their voice louder than your voice. Mm-hmm. So just being able to push through that, I haven't gotten used to yet. Still mm-hmm. haven't. I'm getting there. But again, like I am still the new guy. So mm-hmm. it's just hard. Sidebar for me, uh, we all watched that specific moment you talked about with Simon <laughs> and we've seen it and we've oh seen, you know, Terry do this stuff right away. And it's, we all love it. But I always have this thought when I'm watching that live coverage of like, and I want to know how you feel about it as well. Is that moment right there? Is that moment necessary right there? Or is the call to <clears throat> give Simon, whoever... A few minutes? A minute or two, uh-huh. and then taking him over to a private booth where everything is more laid out. Jeff Spring, I hope you're listening. I feel like that would be the move, uh-huh. but I've never been in that situation. And I know that obviously there's that that spark that's happening right there in that moment that if you don't capture it, maybe it's gone. But it, what are your thoughts on that? I've watched the NBA. They do it. Like they'll interview the players right on the court, but even they give them a minute or two to cool down. My Okay. Personal opinion without anything, any context, I wish they would just let them celebrate. I wish they would just let them celebrate, film them celebrating. People love that. People love those moments mm-hmm. in sports. Go hug your girlfriend. Go like oh, they'll be you slow mo. Go hold of your baby. Yeah. You know, yeah. go go do the Simon and circle the the fans. So and, cool. That's fun. You know, and be ready for that. But yeah, Simon, like that interview that I botched, it was kind of botched on his end too. Like even after the interview, he's like, God, I just gave you a terrible interview. You know, and and it's because. The emotion for someone that's not Paul, Ricky, or Paige is insane. It's it's a it's very hard to win these days. So my personal opinion is, yeah, give them a few minutes. I don't know from a production standpoint if they like that. I think they like the awkward, like I don't have any words right now. Mm-hmm. I think they like that. So it, it's just a philosophy, and and I think they're they're just doubling down on it. Tell them that Sean said to think about okay. it. Okay, I will tell them. Do do me a favor. <laughs> I'll tell them. Hey, Thank you know you. Sean? Yeah, he he said give him a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Take him into the booth. Next question comes from Nick Kaminsky. He wants to know what's your favorite in of a disc. <laughs> my favorite in of a disc. Ooh, they have some good ones. I would say my favorite in of a disc. Oh my God. I would say the TL is my favorite end of a disc. I think it's, I would say it's a mix between the TL or the Pro Shark. Pro Shark was my first like premium plastic mid range, and that was like a sick flyer. But as a driver, I think the TL is wildly underrated. Mm. What do you think about the TL, Jason? Yeah, Jay. 
Uh, you know, they. It was more about the three of them being together. I feel like TLC fell apart. Oh uh, yeah, when yeah. Lisa left. I Lopez died. Rest in peace. Oh, may she rest yep. in peace. So it would have never worked had Chili not been there. Okay. I agree with you. Yeah. Wow. Touche. What, what does TLC stand for? <clears throat> Do you know? That's it's their names. names. Yeah. T Boz, oh. Lisa, Left Eye Lopez, and Chili. This is why you're the trivia host. And, and this I'm is the... where you drop. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Uh, when I was young, I thought that song was about a guy named Jason Waterfalls. Jason Waterfalls, yeah. <laughs> when I was young, I used don't to go. tell people that song Jason was about waterfalls. a guy named Jason Waterfalls. Because <laughs> why wouldn't don't I? Go. Yeah. Our last question in the mailbag is a Mike Conley question. Ooh. Oh. And Mike Conley that wants boy. to know, how does your experience as Chip Blockerman translate to your stellar commentary sideline reporting for the DGPT? He's referring to your commentator for the Don't Break the Ice World Championship. Ah, uh, yes. Well, at one point in my life, I was the tournament director for the biggest Don't Break the Ice tournament on Twitch. Uh, we had. So you did do commentary before then? You're right. I didn't. <laughs> Chip Blockerman did. And he was a bad boy. Touche. He okay. was clean. So I just had this idea. I wanted to run. I thought Don't Break the Ice was hilariously competitive when you have drunk adults playing it. Mm-hmm. So it, let's back up one second. Let's just so everybody is on the same page. Yeah, let's, yeah. What is Don't Break the Ice? It's that children's game where it's like an elevated square and you and there's like you flip it over and you fill it with these like blocks. Right. Plastic blocks. And there's a big block in the middle. It can be in the middle. You can put the big block wherever, but right. there's a little red man that balances on top of the big block. Mm-hmm. And then you take turns back and forth with little mallets knocking out little ice cubes. small cubes yeah and then trying and then, to leave the big the big one in and the middle. if you right. make it okay. fall the mm-hmm. other person wins right okay. and when you get smart people involved in the game it actually is hilariously competitive so i went back and as a token of appreciation to the ultimate team uh, at illinois state i went back as an alumni and i ran this 64 person don't break the ice world championship it <laughs> My buddy who, who designed my Bearheart logo designed an entire logo kit for it. He designed a Snapchat filter. He designed uh, like pint glasses with a beautiful crest on it. Like he went big time on the design. He also made the overlays for my buddy who's a Twitch streamer. And we went hardcore. So one of the pools, pool number one, had the Don't Break the Ice board. There were eight pools, by the way. We like went hard on this. Mm. Pool one was on a Lazy Susan. And we had a webcam hanging from the ceiling and wow. so, so the fans could see like the board rotate if you needed to. We had that cam, we had a player cam, and we had a commentator cam. And I wore a suit. Get out of town. And we, at the at the time, we had a thousand viewers, concurrent viewers in on, 2015. Yeah, on Twitch. <sighs> it might have been later than 2015, 2016, 2017. Yeah. Okay. okay. We had a thousand concurrent viewers. We were the number one board game stream on Twitch that night. Dude. For don't break the ice. Yeah. And then my buddy forgot to hit record. <laughs> so we we lost the entire stream. Yep, Nick Storter. <gasps> if you're listening to this, I'm I feel sad for you because that was that was an incredible night. Oh my god, he so lost. That the was my follow up question: Is yeah. is it available to watch? It's nope. not. Nope. Oh, the keepsake. God. It was. It, it actually really hurt me because we did it again the next year, but it was a. It was just a. It was messier. People got drunker than they did the the year sure. before. Yeah. 
Um, it went great, but sophomore it, slump. But the, <laughs> the the broadcast just wasn't clean, mm-hmm. and that's that was the problem. But um, Chip Lockerman gave me the confidence to do that for sure. Chip Lockerman was a great alternate uh, alter ego that he still lives deep within me. What would it take for him to come back? Chip Lockerman talks like this, and he oh hits the ghost block. Ooh, Ooh-wee. yeah, nice. <laughs> oh, I love it. Chip Lockerman talks like that. I don't, I don't have that. That's a little you. MXC. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's yeah. what I channeled. Yeah. Kenny Blankenship yeah. yeah. over here. Yeah. Back to you, yeah. Kenny. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, or Captain's Bateman's Hill. character from Dodgeball. Kind oh, of. Oh yeah. You're talking about the one that, uh, the, Dodgeball. The Jason, where Bateman. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman character. also was in. Cotton. He was also Cotton a hilarious yeah, commentator yes. for uh, Best in Show. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. oh my God. Yeah. His character, that was so unbelievable. Genius. Anyway, hi. Do you think uh, Do you think Chip could take us out of the mailbag now that we're done with it? We're done? Yeah. We are officially done with the mailbag, and we're going to kick it off to Sean Callahan for the next section of the podcast. Sean, <laughs> what do you have for us tonight? I have no Thanks, idea, Chip. Alex. What do we have for us tonight? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, Brian, you did it too good. The next part of the show is the end. That is the entirety of this episode. We've covered uh, your transcendence, uh, your, you know, sort of. transcended. And there's still so much left to be said. I know you have places to be. Uh, I hope this is not the last time we do this because you are a wealth of great insights and uh, just such a great communicator that I think we can cover a lot more cool stuff with another episode in the future. If we do decide that we do indeed like you enough to have you back on. Indeed. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Indeed. Do. Always a great Mm -hmm. hang. Yeah. Love you guys. Yeah. So thank thank you you for being here. This was terrific. Have you guys heard the new Beyonce single? It is an absolute slapper. So just letting you guys know. We'll close with that. Sure. It's called Break My Soul. Break My Soul. On that note, thank you listeners for joining us. Brian, again, thanks for being here. And until next episode, guys, keep it on the fairway. See you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Is this the new Beyonce? (laughs) Yeah. Dude. I like it. Wait till she comes in, though. That's like Fifth Element, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unstable Discourse is produced by Sheila Callahan. Edited by Ryan Fancher. Beats provided by Alex Seminary. And produced in association with Unstable Disc Golf Gear. Look good, feel good, play good. Unstable Discourse is a Top Secret Studios production. I thought there was an invitation to sit on his lap, if I'm being honest.